Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast has been interrupted for this special announcement. All right, I've started this show like three different times and it just got so out of control. I think it's because I'm drinking this um, orange and vanilla Coke that I bought. Um, Just trying it out, see if I like it. It was real cheap, so people must not like it. They must be trying to get rid of it. But it's okay. It grows on you and I... Uh, you know, I'm not going to throw it out. I thought about, like, getting a BB gun and shooting the cans. You know, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, like a blast from the past when you used to shoot cans. I don't think these people shoot the cans that have pop in them. So they'll, like, explode or whatever. I wouldn't want to waste the waste the um, the the stuff that I paid for. We I, I'd shoot the cans, like, off a pe- fence post that was empty. But, like, some people just go buy, like, two liter bottles of, of soda just to blow the shit out of them with like a fucking uh, some kind of gun, so you know they like the they like the thing where it explodes. Uh, the other day, somebody was watching a show. It's on the History Channel. I'm not exactly sure what it has to do with history, but it was all about it, the show. Was all about these guys that they get. And it's like a contest <clears throat> where they um, make blades. They're like blade masters. Oh man, I'm going just freaking backfiring from both ends. Um, anyway, the they they get like a, a guy from the army, a guy from the air force, a guy from the marines, a guy from the navy or whatever, and um, they have them make these these fucking swords and knives and stuff. And they'll say like, okay, we got these rifles. Okay, take these rifles and make swords out of them. You know, it's just kind of I don't understand it. You know, I don't understand the appeal. Um, especially if it's on the history channel, they, they should have like a, a, a channel called like the redneck channel where they have duck dynasty and things like that. Or even, you know, just, uh, I don't know what I would even call it, but if you want to have like motorcycle, I mean, if you had like the history of like, um, triumph motorcycles or the history of, uh, um, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, the Navy or the Army or something like that, or history of, of, of fucking swords and combat, right? You know, different cultures. But this is like a this is like a, a game show kind of a deal. So anyway, I was watching that, and I don't even know why the fuck. <laughs> oh, I know. When they shoot those two-liter bottles of pop and, and pumpkins and um, um, watermelons and things like that, or paint cans, they like to see them explode. Well, on that show, they'll get this ballistic... Um, uh, gel and make like a, a human body and they'll put bones in it and stuff and uh, and um, but they'll they'll fill it like put a bunch of like uh, stuff that looks like blood in it so when they're hacking away at it with these swords the the blood will come flying out and the guys will have blood on their faces and everything and I'm like okay that's got to be you know it's it's for a reason I mean okay if you if you have like a Toshiro Mifune in a fucking movie or or anybody, you know, any kind of movie, whether it's Highlander or what's that another one with the swords or whatever. Um, and they're hacking away at each other. Um, uh, the, 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 uh, the duelist with Keith Carradine and uh, Harvey Keitel. And they're hacking away at each other with swords. Yeah, you want to see the blood fight, but this is a contest. So there's obviously a reason why they're, number one, I think why they have it on the History Channel. And number two, it's all about ratings, but number two, like the blood and everything, it's like pro wrestling where, oh my God, look at him. You can just imagine what it would be like if you were a real samurai and you were fucking hacking away at some dude with your fucking, uh, you know, uh, Hanzo sword or whatever (laughs) that you had to go buy back from the fucking pawn shop. Anyway, I just got on here. I had the night off last night. I I probably should have recorded this um, uh, during the night. 
but I slept a lot and then I got up and I got bored and I had to go to the store. I uh, got some hummus, got some nachos. They had this, um, this meal that I like. It's some kind of a Chinese noodles with cashew sauce and they had those on sale. So I bought about 10 of them, uh, because I really like those. Um, and so anyway, that was a night foray. I was just on Facebook a little while ago and they passed this new abortion law in like Alabama or something that's uh, supposed to be like the end of abortion in, in the United States. It's going to bring down Roe versus Wade. Right? Well, I was on there and I was replying to people who were like um, uh, supposedly, you know, pro-life or, you know, they were against the woman's right to choose or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I would respond with gifts. And lots of people get irritated, uh, even on Gentleman's Guide. There was a couple times where I would just be like responding to people with gifts because I do it just, you know, it's just like fun. It's funny. Not to be mean or anything on there. And um, somebody's like, oh, I hate when fucking people respond with gifts. And I was like, you know what? You know, go fuck yourself. Well, whatever. Anyway, so um, I didn't say that because I'm an admin. <laughs> I can, I'm like Thanos. I snap my fingers and you're gone. No, I'm just kidding. I don't uh, try not to do that unless it's like a troll or somebody who's on there being a total dick. Um, but anyway, um, this guy, I was posting a derp uh, fucking gif for, for everybody that was acting stupid. A different one each time. Whatever. And this guy who was like a Cleveland Browns fan, he he like went off. He's like, yeah, obviously you can't write anything yourself. You can't think for yourself. You have to use a fucking gif or something like that. So I responded with these three. It looked like three Hispanic guys just like dancing in unison. Like uh, like it was maybe like the, the 1950s uh, Hispanic um Casey and the Sunshine Band or something, and it was kind of funny. And then he responded back that I was a fucking fake, a fake account, and that I was a robot, and that he was turning me into Facebook, <laughs> which I thought was pretty fucking funny, considering he was a Browns fan. I wanted to respond, you know, dude, you're a Browns fan. Your judgment is uh, going to be in question no matter what. They'll see that and, you know, fucking uh, forget all about you. But also, another thing about Facebook was, um, I had posted like a picture, uh, I think it was seven years ago, about the Kent State Massacre. And um, it was the the iconic picture that was, I think, on the cover of Life magazine of uh, one of the kids uh, at Kent uh, State College laying there while uh, one of their, you know, um, um, class members was crying over them as they got because they had gotten shot by these National Guardsmen. And I got a thing from Facebook seven years later. They have a new thing where they put a cover on a picture that they think might be too violent or exploitative or something like that. And you can put the cover on or you can take it off and you can send them a, a, a message saying why you don't think it should be covered. So it's like censored. And number one, it was from seven years ago. And number two, I'm like, OK, this is like this picture was on the cover of life magazine it's an iconic picture there's no gore or anything and it it it's something like when these people say you know we shouldn't tear down these confederate statues because it's part of history blah 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 but you're trying to cover up a fucking okay with that you're trying to cover up the fact that what the what those guys fought for and that they were traitors to the fucking united states and everything but not only that but with the picture of the kent state picture you're trying to you're covering up an iconic event 
that uh, we need to learn from that needs to be seen, that needs to be taught to kids and every, you know. So I thought that was kind of weird. They're getting, Facebook's getting kind of weird. But anyway, um, got the motorcycle out the other day. I had to kind of uh, pull myself up by my bootstraps and kick myself in the ass. It's been raining a lot. Uh, and it's been cold. It's been only like it's uh, middle of May and it's been like, you know, down in like the forties and, uh, you know, not getting any higher than like the fifties. Um, so any, I just thought to myself, you know, fuck it. I used to go ride all the time anyway. So why not get the goddamn thing out? Had a hard time getting it started this year. And then I, I, just about anything on YouTube. If you like my lawnmower broke or something, I get on YouTube and I put in, something and it brings up you know how to fix it and it's the same way with this motorcycle a guy had the exact same problem i've never had any problem starting it after it's set for winter and this time i did and i just put in you know hey you know my what type of bike it was won't start after winter the guy had the exact same problem i did exactly what he told me it started it started up so i went for a ride it was kind of cold um i didn't get rained on which was a surprise i put my rain gear on uh, and just kind of went putting around and that kind of reminds you like last year it was really rainy out uh and i didn't get to ride that much and i almost got like a paranoia or a um a phobia about getting on my like i was like maybe i should sell my fucking bike you know and not ride anymore and i haven't ridden in a while so i'm, I'm not as sharp as what i was and but then i got on in fucking two seconds i'm right back to just doing whatever i did before it's muscle memory and everything so I did that. I got out to the theater, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, kind of pissed me off because, like yesterday, uh, I had the day off in the middle of the week. And, um, you know, I usually like to come home, go to sleep for a couple hours, and then get up and go see a movie. And, I mean, we've got, I don't know how many movie theaters are, and there's just nothing fucking playing worth a shit. There's nothing I want to see. There's nothing I wanted to even leave the house to fucking go see. And that's why I ended up going to ride the motorcycle. Uh, I was really fucking surprised um, because I went to see Avengers Endgame. Um, was it last week? No, it wasn't even last. I think it was. Um, oh, I can't remember what day it was. But I went to see that. And then since then, nothing really new has come out that's, that I've even wanted to go see. Now, John Wick 3 is coming out, I think it can, it's coming out today, and it's going to be like a 7 o'clock show and a 10 o'clock show, which I'm not going to go see. I'm not going to make a special thing to go see John Wick 3. I saw John Wick 2, and I really didn't even think that was, I think it missed what, uh, it was missing what John, the first John Wick, which I really liked, it was missing something there that, uh, that was in the first one. It was the second one seemed like it was more all just about, you know, Keanu and the people in the cast showing off their their stunt abilities and their their shooting tactical training in these different things, which, you know, you had a lot of that in the second one. But the second or I mean, the first one, but the first one had a, a lot more some uh, 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 something driving it uh, and a story that was, you know, it was i don't know how to put it it's like almost like the first one had uh more meaningful um it had more guts behind it than the second one was just like going through the motions and so it kind of fell flat for me i actually bought that son of a bitch on fucking uh amazon used 
And I had a couple times here. I'm not going to buy any more DVDs on Amazon used because I've had several times here lately where I'll buy the motherfucker and then when I get it, it won't fucking play. Uh, and so, and then the, the, um, the, I've only, I am mean, out on a two or three different times or something like that. But then, you know, just sending it, shipping it back and everything. I'm like, well, fuck, it's going to, I buy them real cheap. Uh, like, you know, just for a couple bucks. And then the cost of shipping it back is more than what the fucking thing's worth, you know? So fuck it. I might go see John Wick. If I go see it, maybe Friday, um, or not Friday. Jesus Christ. It's only Thursday right now. Um, maybe Sunday. I don't know when I'm going to go see it. You guys don't give a fuck. Anyway, I like Keanu. The only thing that's getting me there is um, Halle Berry's in it. But some people, I think, that live over in the European continent have seen John Wick 3 and have posted that they liked it and that they really liked her character. And that they said something about like they wanted to see them spin off a fucking movie of just her character. I'm not a world's biggest Halle Berry fan. I think she looks good. Um, but I've never been like the, a, a huge fan of hers as far as her acting abilities. Let's see what we got going on here. I did uh, watch some movies. Um, anything else? I cut some uh, what I believe to be poison ivy this morning. Put some long sleeves on and uh, went out. And uh, I didn't. I just got like down close to the ground where I could see the vine coming out and just snipped it and just left it there to die. I'm not going to fucking grab a hold of it and handle it or anything. I have gloves and everything, but it's in these. It's in these fucking like uh, bushes. So it'd be better off just to not even fucking handle it the way I am. Um, I watched again on Netflix instant, uh, the movie bright from 2017 that stars Will Smith and Joel Edgerton and, uh, Numi Rapace. Um, I really like this. I like the whole, uh, world that they have created here. I saw, um, somebody that I work with was saying, um, um, that they, I asked them if they had seen this and, uh, we were looking up, um, some Will Smith stuff what's coming out and um he has a what was it one coming out here soon where he is going I, I was I was telling her I saw the previews for it when I went to the movies and I was trying to remember if he was going back in time to kill his younger clone or if his younger clone was going forward in time to kill his older self, some kind of a deal like that. Um, but it didn't look too bad. It, it looked, it's not, didn't look like anything I was going to fucking run out and go, you know, jack off on like the seats of the movie theater. Let me see what that was called. It's something like Gemini something. Oh, come on computer. Jesus Christ. Why don't you take a little bit longer, longer, uh, Rocket Man with uh, the uh, um, Elton John biopic is going to be coming out May 31st. I do want to go see that. I still haven't seen the Freddie Mercury one. Um, I had, you know, really was amped to go see that. And then I just kind of blew it off. And I haven't even rented it. Okay, you have Bright 2, uh, which has been announced. He's playing the same character. Uh, Gemini Man. Let's see what it says here. I'll give you guys a little heads up on this motherfucker. Uh, this was directed by Ang Lee. That's the only reason that I would really go see it other than Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it and Clive Owen, who I like both of them for different reasons. Um, an over-the-hill hitman faces off against his younger clone of himself. Dig it? So, <laughs> the, like I said, Ang Lee, um, you know, he's pretty... pretty um, I don't know if I would say he's a go-to guy for me. I did go see him in The Hulk. 
or you know uh, Hulk. And uh, what else did that son of a bitch do that was good? <laughs> he kind of he kind of had he was like an important guy there for a while, and then he kind of shit the bed a few times. Uh, Brokeback Mountain was good. Life of Pi was good. Um, let's see, the Ice Storm. I like that. Man, I've seen some of, more of his stuff than I thought. Ride with the Devil. I don't think I've seen that. Hulk. I didn't mind Hulk. I liked uh, that fucking Hulk better than that goddamn Endgame Hulk. They just did everything they could in the last two movies to fuck the Hulk. And I think the only reason they did that was to give Mark Ruffalo more screen time. Because if it's the Hulk the whole time, then, you know, it's just CGI and it's not him. But, I mean, that really disappointed me. Uh, I, that that whole fucking movie, like I, I think I may have said on the last show, was like 50 pounds of shit in a fucking 10-pound uh, bag. They just tried to throw so much stuff in there and and every fucking character because it was the end of this storyline. They had to have every fucking character show up, even if it was just for a little cameo and three fucking hours of that shit. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. And then the tonal difference going back and forth from, you know, making you want to fucking cry. It was like a, you, you fucking were watching uh come and see. And then right in the middle of it, about 20 times, they would have like some slapstick thing or somebody acting stupid or joking around. Uh, you know, I don't know. There were some good parts and bad parts. They should have fucking, they could have hacked that damn thing up and made three fucking movies. Um, so anyway, let's go back to where I was. And I don't want to talk about Endgame <laughs> again. Um, but it was disappointing for me. I listened to um, Martian Drive-In podcast, and Terry was talking about it. And he really enjoyed it. And I'm glad, like anybody, I told the people in like a lot of the different comic book groups that, you know, I'm not trying to get in an f- argument or anything. It's it's your opinion. And if you liked it, that's great. Um, I didn't like it as much. But I'm, I wasn't even going to argue. I said, you know, these are the reasons I didn't like it. Uh, I'm glad that you did. Um, but I just thought, like almost every superhero movie I have seen, they just start throwing characters in, as many of them as they can. They can't just have one villain. They have to have 20 of them. They have to introduce every character. They have a, have to have a wink and a nod to the fucking comic book uh, fans. And, and, you know, it just it was just too much. Too fucking long. I'm going to sit for three hours. I'm, it's good, better be fucking Lawrence of Arabia or <clears throat> Dr. Zhivago or something like that. I'm not going to sit for three. Fu- uh. And if you're going to do three hours, how about do it like the old fucking movies where in the middle of the goddamn movie, they have a fucking intermission or something. Because my friend said that, oh, I didn't even look at my watch one time. Well, let me tell you, I fucking looked at my goddamn watch. Ugh, I wanted to literally go, Ugh, come on, you know, in the middle of that fucking movie. Uh, anyway. Um, on the same note, I watched 2018's Aquaman, uh, which was two hours and 23 minutes. Uh, again, too fucking long. Uh, Jason Momoa, uh, he's got a presence. He's got charisma. He's got a look, but he ain't carrying it for me and uh, hasn't in just about everything I've seen him in. Uh, there was that one movie, um, which was kind of a low budget straight to DVD movie that I saw him in, it kind of reminded me of like an old Charles Bronson movie, uh, which was called Braven. Um, Like I said, it's nothing super great, but it would be like Love and Bullets or something like that, a Charles Bronson movie that that you caught on VHS, um, not one of his big hits, but that's what it kind of reminded me. I thought he was good in that. Um, 
I started watching that Frontier TV show, but Jason Momoa in just about everything I've seen him in is just Jason Momoa. I did see him in The Bad Batch, and I didn't really like that movie that much at all. I, I just didn't like the movie. I didn't like the storyline. I didn't think it was very well done. Um, but he it says he's, um, they must be, or it says rumored. Uh, maybe they're ma- remaking Cliffhanger, the Stallone movie. And uh, a mountain climber gets caught up in a scheme involving thieves trying to recover stolen cash. A remake of the 1993 cliffhanger. And it's supposed to star Jason Momoa. But we'll see. You know, some of that stuff, it never does happen. Uh, Aquaman 2. Hopefully it'll be better than Aquaman 1. Um, wait a minute. What's this shit? Are, is he in another goddamn remake? Just Cause. That I, I, No, that's different. Because I was going to say Just Cause was... Um, uh, Sean Connery and um, Larry Fishburne and Ed Harris, I believe. This is different. This is a story of a deadly CIA black ops assassin. I haven't ever heard of that. Who specializes in regime changes, battles pirates, mercenaries, and rogue agents. Okay, if they do that right, might not be bad. Uh, it does also star Stephen Van Zandt, the guitar player for Bruce Springsteen, so who knows. But he was also in Sopranos. Um, I gotta tell you, Aquaman just didn't do it for me. Um, too fucking long. Uh, Amber Heard looked good, but the acting wasn't very good. And it did have Dolph in it, uh, which I liked. And Willem Dafoe was in it. But you had all that underwater CGI stuff. It wasn't. It just wasn't that good. It, that, that movie should have been an hour and 30 fucking minutes long. Nice and tight. They want to fucking just drag this shit out. They put too much crap in it. Nicole Kidman, meh. I could have fucking took her or left her. Uh, um, Tamora Morrison, I always like him. He was okay. I mean, but like I said, they could have just fucking uh, could have cut this fucking shit down. It should have either been Black Manta or the fucking uh, King Orm. Uh, Ocean Master. What a fucking stupid name. Anyway, um, this one just didn't do it for me. I rented it. I didn't go see it on the big screen. Uh, if I, I'm sure if I did, I probably, and, and I was that this one, like I said, it was just too long. It wasn't that it was horrible. It was just, uh, I don't know if I was, a, if I was, I don't want to, I'm going to say this and I don't mean as insulting. If I would have been maybe like 12 and I saw this, I probably would have liked it more. I just didn't think it was that good. Um, let's see. Now we'll go to uh, 1990 for uh, La Femme Nikita, or just Nikita as the original title. Now this was a two-hour long movie. Um, I saw it when it first came out on VHS. Um, I want, I'm thinking I uh, Cisco and Ebert reviewed it, and then I watched it, and then they did a remake uh, with Bridget Fonda and Gabriel Byrne. This was uh, Luc Besson, uh, written and directed, starring uh, Anna... Uh, Paralo, uh, uh, Mark Dure, and Patrick Fontana. Um, I thought this was pretty good. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's a little long. Uh, the chick is very wacky, crazy at the beginning. Uh, she's like kind of punk, punk rock kind of a um, style, style kind of a thing where you know um, she's very doesn't give a fuck about anything in the doesn't give a fuck about anything mode, but, um, it's a pretty good story. You know, Luke Basson, he's putting out something here, um, coming up uh, where I think he's kind of going back to his roots. Um, and he's making a new one with a, um, uh, he likes to have the badass chick. 
Uh, it's called Anna, um, and I saw the previews for it. Um, I don't know. It 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 just kind of looks like uh, whether it's uh, Lucy or Fifth Element or La Femme Nikita or something like that, where it's the badass chick kicking ass. Um, uh, Columbiana. What's another one that was um, the the one with the little girl? Um, Hannah, but he didn't do that. Somebody else did that, I believe, didn't they? Eh, who cares? <laughs> I'm lazy. I don't want to fucking look it up. But La Femme Nikita was good. It's a blast from the past. It definitely has, uh, it's dated when they're showing the computers and the guy's explaining what a mouse is and all this. But in some ways, that's kind of fun. Looking back and seeing the old hardware. Uh, Doris Day died. I think she was about uh, 97 fucking years old. But when you see that, you think, okay. She was a huge star. She was like America's sweetheart, the girl next door, the the, the wholesome good girl. Like um, uh, in Greece when they sing, uh, Look at me, I'm Sandra D, lousy with virginity. Well, that's kind of how Doris Day was. I, the, the main ones that I remember her in um, were Pillow Talk with Rock Hudson, and um, she played, um, what's her face? Um... Calamity Jane, which was kind of a, a, a nicey nice kind of a retelling. If you watch Deadwood, it's not not exactly the same. It's very um, very toned down, very uh, like a musical kind of a deal, uh, very lighthearted. Whereas Calamity Jane on Deadwood was like, "Hey motherfucker, come over here and eat my fucking pussy," you know. Uh, so <laughs> I can see just that'd be funny if Doris Day acted like that, and Rock Hudson was like fucking. Uh, um, Seth Bullock or whoever, uh, Wild Bill. Hey, Wild Bill. Anyway, so I just wanted to mark the fact that Doris Day passed away. Like I said, I think she had a pretty good life, and um, I just watched a, a document or not a documentary. It was a Larry <laughs> Larry King interview with uh, Rock Hudson's wife. <coughs> his, well, I thought it was maybe his only wife, but it was pretty interesting. And you know, a lot of the stuff that that you read and. Um, um, she kind of shined a light on the inside part of it. Cause I had heard for a long time that it was kind of like a sham marriage and it was just done for the cameras and everything. But she said, you know, they had a great sex life and everything. And he obviously must've been bisexual because he was awesome. And he was, a, you know, a great husband until like the end when he started kind of drifting away and, and things like that. But she talked about how, you know, the other couples that they hung out with, uh, Hollywood couples and, uh, she was actually there when Montgomery Clift had his car wreck. They were at a party at, uh, I think, Elizabeth Taylor's house. And Montgomery Clift uh, and somebody else got in the car and were you know, driving away. And it was only just a few minutes later they got a call. And he had run into a telephone pole or something. And, and he got his face got disfigured. And they ran down the hill. And she was actually there when Elizabeth Taylor you know, opened the car door and was holding Montgomery Clift and his, you know, his head in her lap. And he was really fucked up and everything. Um she was good friends with uh, Humphrey Bogart, uh, and um, I'm trying to think who the other. I mean, there was just a lot of people like that um, that she spoke about, and it was pretty cool. So um, you know, I'm I'm interested. I, you know, Rock Hudson in his movies. I think he's an interesting uh, person, interesting character. Um, da -da -da -da, watch 2015's Point Break, uh, the remake of the original with uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Patrick Swayze. And, uh, 
I was going to say Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> Gary Busey. Uh, this this one was directed by Erickson Kaur, um, written by Kurt uh, Wimmer, and uh, starring Ed, Edgar Ramirez, Luke Bracey, Ray Winstone, um, also uh, Delroy Lindo, and Teresa Palmer, who I don't ever remember. I'm sure I probably have seen her in other stuff because she's pretty good looking. Um what else is she in? She is Australian. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, which I did not see. He's still dead, but he gets warmer. have not seen that. So I am number four. I think that was like a superhero kind of a movie, but I've not seen that either. So maybe I just have been missing her. I've seen this movie. Oh, Triple Nine. I saw that. I've seen this movie before, but I just decided, uh, I think it was on Netflix. Um, so some of these movies, when you think, oh, God damn, why did you fucking watch this? Because you knew it was a piece of shit and you watched it again. I think I went and saw this. No, I, I rented it. But it was on Netflix for free. That's why I watched it. Uh, this Luke Bracey, he didn't do anything for me. I just, you know, I thought he was really a weak uh, part of the movie. Um, and he was in The November Man with uh, Pierce Brosnan, which I I kind of like that one. That one had uh, Olga Kurvienko in it, which I like her. Uh, but uh, he was also the weak part of that one. He was in Hacksaw Ridge. I wonder if him and this chick are, like, hooked up because they were in two movies back-to-back together. Uh, and I doubt if she was uh, hacksawing on the ridge in uh, Korea or wherever, uh, fighting a battle. So who knows? Uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation, he was Cobra Commander. Nah, I'm not into the G.I. Joe. Uh, I played with the G.I. Joes when I was a little kid. Loved them, but these movies, bleh, the ones I've watched ain't been worth the shit. Uh, let's see. So, anyway, I like Edgar Ramirez. I like Delroy Lindo and Ray Winstone. Um, this one kind of tried to take a more serious um, tone uh, than the one with uh, Bodie. Well, this one has Bodie, too, but this one... <laughs> <laughs> the one with Swayze and uh, Johnny Utah was a little bit more lighthearted. Um, this one also has more of a European feel, like when they're going and doing stuff. Uh, I did not mind the casting other than Johnny Utah guy. I just thought he wasn't very good. I li- kind of liked Edgar Ramirez. Uh, I've liked him in just about everything I've seen him in. It's just not as good. It's not as fun. It's not as entertaining. Uh, they kind of shit the bed. And it's like somebody said, it was almost like a GoPro commercial for extreme sports. I agree with that assessment. Um, another movie that is a little bit better than uh, the remake of Point Break is 1973's The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Uh, gave this one a rewatch. Um, going down, I was going down through my classic movies. I have uh, purchased... On my iPad, uh, I got tired of watching shit, so I mingled in great with shit. So, and then I took a great shit a couple times. Been eating some pumpkin seeds again. That'll that causes you just to crap constantly. Um, you don't need to know that. Uh, <laughs> this is my favorite Mitchum movie. Uh, I think probably Yakuza is probably second, but I really love this fucking movie, and I have watched it over and over and over. Talked about it a million times on the show. Uh, it's directed by Peter Yates, starring uh, Robert Mitchum, Peter Boyle, Richard Jordan, uh, Alex Rocco, Joe Santos from um, uh, Rockford Files, uh, Stephen Keats, Mitchell Ryan. It's got a fucking great cast. This one chick that was in it, uh, what was her name? She played Wanda. She was Alex Rocco's, um, Alex Rocco. Uh, she was his um, his uh, stewardess uh, friend 
that uh, stayed with him at his like little trailer when he was on the run. And man, she was hot. And uh, she was the one that when he took Eddie in the uh, in the other room to tell him that um, to, to buy the guns, uh, <laughs> to buy the guns. What was that? <laughs> it's our squirrel in here. Um, he was telling her that um, she didn't wear no underpants. <laughs> and when so, so when he just felt like it, he just reach over and reach down in there and you know, get her started up. I guess she kind of got started pretty quick. Um, Kickstart my heart. I love Friends of Eddie Coyle. Um, just every scene in it is iconic for me. Uh, the way it's shot, uh, the acting, every goddamn. I could watch this fucking movie every fucking day. And um, I can't. I can't. I'm trying to think of anything else I want to say about it. Peter Boyle. I don't know if I said his name or not. It was fucking great. Uh, this is a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. This is a 10. On uh, IMDb, it has like a 7.5. Tell me what's fucking wrong with sons or sons, Friends of Eddie Coyle. Now, uh, mixing up some more poop with the greatness. Uh, you got to follow. You got poop, then great, and then poop. Uh, 1995's Empire Records. Um, this was directed by Alan Moyle. Uh, stars Anthony LaPaglia, uh, Debbie Mazar, Maxwell Caulfield, um, Lemon Puss. Um, let's see, who else? Rory Cochran was fucking horrible. I hated him in this. I wanted to punch him in the face and curb stomp his brains out. Uh, Liv Tyler. Um, who else is in this? Lemon Puss. Uh... All the guys in it I hated. I just wanted to fucking beat the fuck. I would have went in that record store like the fucking Hulk uh, and just beat the shit out of all. I hated everybody in this fucking movie except the hot chicks. And I kind of hated them, but they were hot chicks. So, you know, you wanted to fuck them. Just like life. Uh, so anyway, I don't even want to talk about this movie. It was on Netflix Instant Watch for free. I could not believe how shitty it was. And then I was like, I wonder why I've never seen this. Or, you know. And then when I started watching it, I was like, oh my God. Within the first 15 minutes of it, I was I literally was wanting to gouge my eyes out. Okay, now I went from shit to great to shit. Well, then I'm going to go with shit again. Uh, from 1999, Boondock Saints, uh, written and directed by Troy Duffy. <laughs> um, stars Willem Dafoe, Sean Patrick Flannery, and Norman Reedus. Uh, and some of these other fuckers that would show up at uh, uh, David Della Rocco, Rocco, and some of these other fuckers that would show up at like Horror Hound every fucking year. It was funny because Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus would be at Horror Hound every fucking year to the point where they, you'd be standing there talking and they could be standing right beside of you. Nobody would give a shit. And then when um, uh, fucking Walking Dead hit really big and Norman Reedus showed up, they were fucking people were around the goddamn fucking corner and you couldn't even almost not get in the fucking place. So that kind of tells you something. Um, Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus were so fucking douchey in this. Uh, and, you know, uh, what Troy Duffy's idea of cool is. Um, it was just stupid. Them, you know, doing, they were like supposed to be like twins or whatever and doing the same thing and having all the religious icon, iconography or whatever. And Willem Dafoe, I like watching him act. Uh, he was a hundred times better than everybody in this movie and it showed. Hopefully he made more money than everybody uh, in the entire cast. Uh, it did have Ron Jeremy and uh, Gina Fine in it. Uh, and I think that uh, that um, David Della Rocco fucking filled up her tits. I don't know if she was dead or she got killed, 
but she was in like a uh, um, uh, peep show. Uh, I think that Ron Jeremy ran or he was actually in there. And it was one of those deals where the girl's in the middle of the room and you put in money and the screen goes up so you can see her or whatever. And uh, it was just, you know, just the fact that it had a couple of famous fucking porn stars in it. But, you know, big deal. Uh, this movie sucked ass. And I remember when the, the um, sequel to it came out and it was so bad I couldn't even fucking watch the whole thing. It just was like vomitous. Um, this one I can watch, but it's stupid. The only reason I like watching it is Willem Dafoe. Um, yeah, let's move on from that. Uh, the f- uh, this is a good one, really good one, uh, from 1963 called Le Feu Follet, uh, The Fire Within. Um, this was directed by Louis Mal or Louis, I guess it's Louis, Louis, Louis Mal, a famous uh, director who got blackballed, I believe, in the um, probably the commie blackball shit. Um, written by Pierre Dru La Rochelle, based on the novel, uh, and it stars Maurice Ronet, uh, Lina Scarla, Yvonne Clerc, and uh, what's her name? Oh, what's her name? Where's she at? Uh, Jean Moreau is in this. Um, I had never heard of this. I was just looking for things with Jean Moreau, and I came upon this on Netflix Instant. Uh, it is also on YouTube for free, uh, and it's a good quality thing if you don't care about watching it uh, on YouTube. It's not cut up in pieces or anything. Uh, very, very good movie. I think it might even be Criterion. Um you will recognize Maurice Ronet. Uh, he played um, Greenleaf in the, um, the, I think his name was Dickie Greenleaf in um, the goddamn Matt Damon movie. But in Purple Noon, uh, he uh, plays uh, uh, Philippe Greenleaf. Uh, and that is the, um, what's his face? Tom Ripley movie. Uh, he was also in... Um, uh, elevator to the gallows with uh, Jean Moreau, which I fucking loved. So three movies that you can watch that have him in it uh, are um, Le Feu Follet, <laughs> Elevator to the Gallows, and Purple Noon or Plein Soleil, <laughs> The Fire Within. Anyway, um, I really like him as an actor. Uh, I think he died fairly young, young at like 56. Didn't know anything about the storyline in this, and I'm not going to say too much about it. I thought it was really well shot. I, uh, It's a character study, and it's done really well. I highly recommend The Fire Within or Le Feu, Le Feu uh, Follet. So check it out. And uh, Jean Moreau in this one is doesn't have like a huge part. She has a, a very good scene with um, Maurice Rene, um, but she don't expect to watch it and it, to have Jean Renault in it like the whole movie. But it's really good. Check it out. Let me know what you think. I watched uh, some documentaries. A, a person that I work with was telling me about her ex-husband, and one of the reasons that they split up was he was addicted to Second Life. Now, being an old turd and not a gamer, I wasn't sure what Second Life was, so we got into discussion about it. And then, you know, my my um, kind of reference to it uh, would be, you know, I, I do remember Sims when Sims came out and people were into that. And I guess this is a, kind of a more of a elaborate uh, 
better version of that. I'm sure Sims probably has gotten better and better and better just like this, where the avatars are better and everything. But the one thing she told me, you know, uh, was that he would play this thing like 20 hours a day, uh, spend thousands of dollars buying swords or or gold coins or whatever you need to buy on that. And then um, I watched some several documentaries about this uh, addiction, uh, like not just for Second Life, but gaming addiction and also Second Life, um, where which delved into people um, almost living in a virtual reality uh, where, say you're you've uh, you're a, you're a heavy person who uh, never had. Uh, much success uh, socially, don't have really good social skills, you feel bad about yourself uh, through, um, you know, just from uh, the way society thinks about like what beauty is or whatever, things like that. And then on these games, you can actually be whoever you want to be. Uh, it made, I thought it was funny that a lot of the, of the women would, um, which it's not funny, it's just what everybody would do. All the guys want to be badasses and be well-built and, you know, and all this and that, and the women dress real super sexy and provocative. And, and uh, But some of these people would actually hook up. Uh, one was uh, a guy who was married and had kids, and his wife was addicted to Second Life, and um, she actually uh, fell in love with this guy. And he lived in England, she lived in the United States, and it was uh, talked a lot about, her, you know, interviewed her husband, interviewed her, interviewed the other guy and everything. And uh, how the husband was dealing with the fact that his wife not only was neglecting him, but neglecting the kids and everything and her job. And then uh, she literally wanted, she not literally wanted to, she did uh, get a plane ticket and went over to see this guy because she said she wanted to know if, if it was real and uh, because um, it was causing, pro- she was getting her emotional um, needs filled, fulfilled from this guy. And um, I can't remember if those were, there were a couple of people that actually got married on the game. Uh, there were people that met through the game and successfully went and they hit it off and they got married and fell in love. Um, stuff like that. And um, then some of the funny things, I started looking up Second Life trolls on YouTube where people would just troll the fuck out of the people in the game. Uh, and saw how some of the people react. Some of the people, it was like they were living a second life. And then some people were just getting on there and just acting stupid. They were in a in some kind of a dungeon. This has like sex and everything. And it also went like uh, the, the there was like two guys and a girl. And they were in some kind of dungeon, like a sexual dungeon that you would see and like cruising. And uh, they were like, hey, let's go see if we can get that ho- uh, get fucked by that horse. Or no, I'm gonna go fuck this gorilla. And everything it wasn't like they were doing it like to, to get off. They were just like, Okay, I'm right clicking on it. It won't do anything. It won't do anything, you know. Hey, you're getting fucked by a cow now. <laughs> you know, right? Um <laughs> it was just stupid. But there were lots of things that I read about like people um trying to get it regulated because people would get on there and their avatar would be like a, a, a prepubescent kid. And they would be getting fucked and stuff like that. And they were trying to pass legislation that if you, it would be almost like child pornography. But I, I can't remember how many different times it's, it's been brought up and went, um, you know, before the courts and the courts would shut it down and say, no, you can't, you can't censor this. It's, it's against, um, it's against, uh, freedom of speech or whatever. So I guess what they're saying is it's not real. And if you did that, then say you would have to censor, um, like um, 
oh Lolita or something like that. You know, anything. It's a, it's a story and people. It's not like the actual ch- children were. So it's one of those things I remember seeing on a on like a dating website one time, where they had like some kind of a, I don't know if it was a psychological test or something. It was it was something where it wasn't like the the actual dating website put these questions up. Anybody could pose questions and you just got on there and answered questions. Other people would answer the questions and it would try and fit you together. Like if you were 90% on these certain questions, they would put you together with somebody who answered the questions the same way. But one of the questions that that came up was, uh, you know, do you think that, um, uh, animation or gaming or something like that, that has, um, it didn't say child pornography, but it said like uh, 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 avatars or representations of underage children having sex or something like that should be considered child pornography. And like I said, I'm not into gaming and I'm definitely not into fucking child pornography or whatever. So, but I thought that was a weird question, but now I know why from watching this and then seeing some anim- anime uh, that I've watched. I know some people, um, uh, one of the uh, a female uh and I don't know if it was on Gentleman's Guide or what um, group it was on, uh, was talking about, I don't know if it was Ghost in the Shell or one of these animated movies that came out and she was really, one of her things was uh, going off on um, how a lot of these Japanese animes and movies based on them have sexual representations of girls, not women, but girls like the, the hero would be, I can't remember what she called it, but it was um, like a prepubescent girl who was completely sexualized. Uh, and that's like a, in, um, Oh, um, vampire a la carte. Um, what's a police girl in that? which was um, Helsing. Um, I, I watched some of those anime, and I really liked them, and I've, I've read some of the manga and everything. Uh, but, like, Police Girl in that, it seems like she's supposed to be, say, like 12, 13 years old or something, but she's got these huge tits, uh, mini skirt, which they're bulging out, and her nipples are sticking out, uh, and her cleavage, and she's got a mini skirt on. So it's not, it's like, they take like a young girl who's supposed to be a virgin, uh, prepubescent virgin, but she's built like a fucking brick shit house. And, and I've seen a lot of that in anime, but she was going on about that. And uh, some of the people were, you know, like, yeah, that is kind of fucked up. And then some people were like, you know, hey, it's just like what people in the game were saying. You know, it's just fucking fun. And it's just, you know, it's it's not real. It's not like a little kid, but it's what trigger somebody or whatever and you have to look at it that way though too if somebody's a, a fucking pedophile they're going to be triggered by fucking a bologna sandwich or whatever they're going to you know they don't they don't need <laughs> then it becomes a question of okay would you rather have them watch that <coughs> or watch real fucking child pornography i don't know anyway but so i was watching a lot of stuff about um gaming addiction second life addiction and things like that. Really interesting, really fascinating. And I was kind of wondering if they have ever done a movie about that, about like say a family where somebody meets uh, somebody through online gaming and, and, or uh, 
they're they're uh, one uh, i've watched several documentaries where kids were into gaming so much that they were playing these games like 22 hours a day almost like it was almost like a brainwash thing where they would be just staring at that screen you know not even blinking their eyes and everything and um it became such an addiction that the the kids would end up either killing themselves or the parents would try and take it away from them. And they were so addicted that they would fucking try to kill themselves where they would kill themselves. I remember a, um, a TV, I think it may have been a mini series called, and I'm just going from total from memory. I wanting to say it was called 29 palms and they had people that were addicted to virtual reality they would be like rich people and you know what like uh, robert de niro when he was in once upon a time in america and he would go to the opium dens and he would just lay there and 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 just drift away in like an opium haze where he would all it was almost like he was living in a dream world and they would come in and they'd move him around and massage his legs to make sure he doesn't get blood clots and they come in and give him like some hot soup or hot tea or whatever to give him some nourishment but he was living in that that daze or that haze and um, that's kind of how some of these people are. And and you do see these days where people, you know, they have the virtual reality uh, games and stuff where uh, or worlds, I guess, like Second Life or whatever, where you're actually wearing that, that thing on your head covering your eyes. And I do remember Loaf and Jake and some people playing those games when they first came out and saying they almost got like motion sickness and everything. But um, so it's it's kind of something like that where. You're, and I, I know just even from the little bit of gaming I've done where I would be playing a um, not as much the sports games. I, I would play like a, um, some NCAA football, uh, hockey, but you're playing just like one game. If I had a day off, I might play a whole season of football or something like that, but I never got into it that much. The one that I got into more than anything would be like Medal of Honor, like uh, one of the World War II games. Uh, or a Tom Clancy one, but it wasn't as much. I did uh, stop playing Medal of Honor because I was like, fuck, man, I've been sitting here and I look at the watch and I'd be like, oh my God, I've been sitting here for six fucking hours and it's easy to to get into that. Uh, just trying to, it's almost like a slot machine where they try and get you to keep playing uh, by like teasing you, teasing you, teasing you, teasing you, letting you get so far and then you get stuck, you get stuck, you get stuck. And then when you finally get through it, you get that endorphin rush and you're like, fuck yeah, I want to keep playing until I get stuck to the next thing. So they manipulate that and everything you get addicted to, you know, uh, um, it's a quest kind of a deal, but you get addicted to, like I said, with the gambling, uh, slot machines and stuff like online, uh, endorphin rush. So I was kind of like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. Now I probably couldn't play any of them because my skills are so bad. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, there's nothing worse. It's like when you you say, okay, I'm gonna I want to start jogging again, and you haven't been jogging in in years. So right at first it's horrible because you you you're not in shape. Your snot's running out of your nose. Your back's fucking killing you. You can only go maybe a hundred yards before you have to stop, and you don't want anybody to see you. And that's sort of the same way with these games. If you don't play them for a long time and you haven't played, uh, you, you, it's going to take you a while to get the keyboard, you know, or the the you know the controller. And uh, my one Xbox, uh, which was the original Xbox, had you know twenty times less buttons or options on it than the new one I got. And that's one of the reasons I stopped playing Xbox is 
because when my old one went finally uh, and I got the new one, I was like, oh, my God, it's got like all these other fucking triggers and buttons and stuff on them. And I just don't want to start over. And like I said, I, I just never got back into it. Uh, watch 1971's Get Carter, uh, written and directed by Mike Hodges and starring Michael Caine, Ian Hendry, uh, Britt Eklund. Uh, who else is in this? Uh, Ian Hendry. I already said him, but he was also in The Hill with um, Sean Gunnery and um, Ian Bannon, which I'll talk about maybe a little bit here in a minute. Um, this one is on Netflix Instant again. So I decided to sit and watch it. It's a classic, uh, great fucking movie. Michael Caine, one of the things I like about this movie is, though, even though he is, quote unquote, the hero, he is hardly a hero and he doesn't apologize. He's kind of a shit and uh, he is a killer and he is not a good person, uh, but he is going up against a lot of people that are horrible people and not good people either. Uh, I like the reveal of why, you know, he's trying to find out what happened to his brother. And, um, then when he does, it does, um, kind of, uh, etch or, or, or a chip away at his stone cold heart, I guess. Um, I always have to compare this to the remake, uh, with Sylvester Stallone and Mickey Rourke. Um, I have to say this one is way better, of course, but I did not hate the one with Sylvester Stallone and Mickey Rourke. And I would, I will and, and have watched it several times. Uh, that's one of the Stallone movies that kind of came and went that I actually did enjoy. And th- I mean, comparing that to like Bullet in the Head, uh, fucking the Get Carter remake was like fucking Citizen King compared to that fucking turd with also Jason Momoa. I uh, watched uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf again on Netflix Instant from 1966. This was a Mike Nichols-directed uh, movie uh, written by Ernest uh, Lehman, uh, starring Elizabeth Taylor, uh, Richard Burton, George Siegel, and what was the girl's name in this? Sandy Dennis. She was very good in this. Uh, there's only like four people in the whole fucking movie. Uh, excellent fucking movie. I just loved watching the interaction between... Richard Burton and um, Elizabeth Taylor, and I can imagine them both being drunker than fuck and acting just like this in real life. Um, for some reason, it's like it's like Nurse Ratchet in uh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I uh, have this strange attraction to fucking uh, uh, women that are complete horrible people. And Elizabeth Taylor's character in this, I was like, man, I'd have, when she was drunk, I would have banged the hell out of her. Um, very good movie. I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, I don't like being around drunk people. And I shouldn't say that that's like a, a catch-all because I've been around some of my friends that have been drunk and drinking. And it just depends on the individual. Some people act just completely fine. They're funny. And they're, you know, fun to hang out with. But uh, when they get like this or they get mean or they get, you know, they're, they're all over you and in your face. I hate that. <laughs> and that's why, you know, some people, when we, when we would go to like some of these, uh, get togethers and things like that, again, you can separate them. You know, I have some of our friends that I'm hang out with and they'd be drinking and I, we just have a hell of a good time. And then some of them, man, when they get sloppy drunk and they fucking wrap their, they put are in my face and breathing on me and, 
and doing stupid shit. I mean, I just literally, I mean, ugh, I get real on the edge where I, <laughs> if it's a guy, I'm about ready to fucking knock him out. Uh, but I don't tell anyone. Uh, but I just don't, I, I don't like being around obnoxious fucking drunk people. Uh, okay, now this movie, I just put on the list, and I've got it right here in front of me, the actual movie, VHS. Um, I want to watch uh, Mr. Klein from 1976, which stars Alain Delon and uh, Jean Moreau. And um, it's uh, directed by Joseph uh, Losey and written by Franco Solinas and Fernando Morandi. Um, I have seen the box cover art for this a million times. I've never watched it. Uh, it's one of these movies that's kind of uh, hard to get now. Uh, and if you do buy it on uh, DVD, it's like 30, 40 bucks or something. So I just went ahead and bought a VHS because uh, I still have a VHS uh, player. And I'm going to try and see if it works and hopefully it'll work. It was only like a couple bucks. So if I, Michael Lonsdale is in this too. I really like him. He was in Ronan and several other movies that you you guys know. But so anyway, I'm a big Alain Delon uh, fan and Jean Moreau. So um, I hope that this will pay, pay off. Um, I Let's see what the summary says. And I'll read it to you real quick if it's up. Okay. Paris 1942, Robert Klein... Oh, Robert Klein <laughs> could not find any fault uh, with the state of affairs of the Ger uh, Germany occupying France. He, uh, he is well furnished. He has a well furnished flat, a mistress, and business is booming. Uh, Jews facing discrimination because of laws edicted uh, by the French government are desperate to sell valuable works of art, and it makes it easier for him to get them at bargain prices. Uh, and then some stuff happens and things aren't as good as he thought they were. So I just added that myself because I don't want to give you too much. Um, I'm very um, excited to watch this. Big fan of both of those actor or actor and actress. I still say actress. I don't give a fuck. Um, 1989's Lethal Weapon 2. I did not watch this, but somebody else, I think maybe Rolf watched Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 on uh and posted on the group so i was just going to kind of comment um i loved lethal weapon the first one with mel and danny glover and gary Busey, mitchell ryan and uh, i thought it was it was it was very entertaining even though it kind of uh when you look back on it uh, of course it's an 80s movie it's almost right up on the 90s but it's an 80s movie so it's not to be taken very seriously or whatever but uh, here's Mel Gibson, who's a Vietnam veteran who is completely suicidal at the beginning of the movie. And then they take that and turn it into that's why he's so on the edge and such a daredevil because he doesn't care if he dies and everything. And it's like, but by the time they get out of the first like 10 minutes of the movie, it's just hey, he's suicidal, but in a cool, funny way, you know, and it's kind of like, what? And like Danny Glover's like, man, you really want to die. You really want to kill yourself. And but then, like I said, it's like he he takes that and they turn it into like a Three Stooges fucking kind of characterization, which is kind of stupid and gross when you think about somebody who has post-traumatic stress syndrome and has killed people in in war. And, um, you know, I, I still would watch it and kind of just watch it for the entertainment value. But then also you take Mel and some of the shit he's done. 
And I wonder what Danny Glover thinks when Mel Gibson's on there yelling, drunkenly uh, cussing his uh, the mother of his ch- ch- children out, saying that uh, when she walks around with her big fake tits out, that she should get uh, gang raped by a bunch of n words, you know. And that's the same thing with Lethal Weapon Two, which um, I know Danny Glover was really into. Uh, I think this is that one where he was really into at the time. Um, he was against. Um, tuna fishing because these um, dolphins would get caught up in the tuna nets and get killed and uh, I think it was uh, Bobcat Goldthwait that was like you know going off about Hollywood stars that were against this this type of fishing because of the dolphins and they were like well what about the tuna oh that's okay they, ta- they taste fucking good you know so they didn't give a fuck about killing and eating the fucking tuna uh, that, but the dolphins you know so they kind of a little take off on that I just remember in this one the chick had really uh, nice boobs I don't know if they were fake or not but uh, her name was Patsy Kensett. She played Rika Van Den Haas. And another thing about this one, again, um, a big thing on Lethal Weapon 2 was about uh, apartheid South Africa. And again, when you plug that into um, some of Mel's uh, political and social views, plus some of his drunken rants, which a lot of people have said it shows that, you know, what he really feels comes flowing out when he's drunker than shit. And he makes all these racist uh, comments about African-Americans or Jews and everything. And then you're they're portraying which, you know, apartheid South Africa was fucking horrible. The racism was fucking horrible. And the um, the people in this movie that were, you know, um, South Africa, white South Africans are are rightly so portrayed as almost Nazi like. But then, you know, you look at Mel and how he some of the comments he's made about, you know, Jews and like I said, about African-Americans and everything. And I'm like, I wonder if Danny Glover just sits there and just wants to fucking vomit in his fucking face. So anyway, that's just my comment on that. I just added those two because I think Rolf, like I said, had watched them and I haven't seen either one of them in a while. I remember watching Lethal Weapon uh, a shitload of fucking times because it was always on HBO or something like that and it was a very entertaining movie I watched uh, uh, Etat des, des Siege or State of Siege from 1972 uh, which was directed by Costa Gavras uh, written by Frank Franco Salinas and Costa Gavras Gavras uh, and it stars uh, Yves Montan uh, Renato Salvatore, Salvatore, <laughs> and uh, I swear, I think just about anything that uh, uh, Costa Gavras has done, at least anything that I have seen that he has done, is fucking fantastic. I love uh, the shots that he does that are almost um, kind of a documentary like feel that's what i think he was known for whether it was zed or z uh and um um he is a very political um as far as a director goes he he makes important films about uh political subjects that very much are um interesting to him or near and dear to his heart or he's trying to make a statement and i like that too i know a lot of people i don't know if i should say a lot of people but some people might not like his movies because they might feel that they are too um too deep maybe 
or something like that. I know when I watch his movies, I, w- I immediately want to go out and read about like everything about the movie, but not only that, but everything about the situation um, that the, the the actual real situations that took place that um, that you know that, that inspired him to make the fucking movies. That's what I'm trying to say, Daddy O. You know what I'm saying? Um, so anyway, watch uh, State of Siege uh, and read about it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the world today, whether it's this one or The Confession, which is another one that I watched of his uh, that will be coming up here shortly. Um, and about fascism, uh, also, like I said, Z um, is another one. Uh, Missing with Jack Lemon and Sissy Spacek, another great one that he did. Uh, based on a true story and if you uh, find out some of the stuff that took place uh, as far as that goes you will want to vomit your fucking guts out at some of the uh, people in our government and covering up things and helping them uh, helping people do stuff to people um, another great movie that I watched was Le Socle, Le Socle Rouge uh, from 1970 uh, this is another movie starring uh, Yves Montan. Uh, that's another reason why I watched it. I was looking up some of his stuff. This was written and directed by Jean-Pierre Melville. Also stars uh, Jean-Marie Valente and uh, Alain Delon. A uh, whole bunch of people. Who else? What's that other guy's name? Uh, Bourville. He plays uh, Commissioner Maté. And his name is only Bourville. What's his deal? He was very good in this. At the age of three, uh, André Zachary Aremambour and his family moved to a town in the region of Normandy called Bourville. Uh, he finished school at age 15 and began work as a baker. He, had already, he was already playing harmonica, mandolin. Da, da, da. So apparently he just took on the name of the place that he lived in as his stage name. But uh, he was excellent in this. He is the inspector that... Uh, is taking uh, Jean-Marie um, Volante to prison, and uh, Jean-Marie uh, escapes. Uh, this is a great fucking movie. Uh, so well done, so well shot. Every if you look up, uh, I was just you know looking up fucking still photos or screen caps uh, to post on Silver and Gold, uh, you know, or Gentleman's Guide that I had watched this movie and. Every fucking one that you find on there is like uh, iconic or is just such a great fucking picture that you're like, shit, I want to use this one. I want to use that one. You know, this is an excellent fucking movie. Excellent heist movie. Um, I'm, I'm not sure which one, if I like this one better than Rafifi. I'm just not sure. I'd have to watch Rafifi again. I love that fucking movie. Uh, but uh, Le Socle Rouge, if you have not seen it, watch it. If you have watched it, watch it again. This is one that you can watch a bunch of fucking times. Acting's great in it, the casting, uh, the, the fucking cinematography. Everything is fucking awesome in it. Uh, La Lavo. La Lavo. <laughs> it's just Lavo. Uh, is the confession from 1970. Uh, again, by uh, Costa Gavras, uh, written by... Lycée London, uh, Arturo London, uh, stars Yves Montan, uh, Simon Saunier, uh, who I love. She is just great in this. She is actually uh, Yves Montan's uh, 
wife in real life, uh, and they were great together. And uh, you will have seen her in uh, Army of Shadows. And I'm trying to think of some other movies that she was in. Um, I wanted to find other movies with her uh, to watch. So I definitely want to watch uh, Les Diabliques. And uh, I'm trying to think what other ones that I found. Um, I'm just, of course, Army of Shadows, The Confession, which is what I'm talking about. There was one where she played, oh, um, Is Paris Burning? I have that one, which has a shitload of people in it. It's got Alan Delon and, um, um, oh, what's his fucking name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jean-Paul Belmondo. Uh, George Chakaris. Bruno Kramer, Alain Delon, Kirk Douglas, Glenn Ford, Gert Throbe. It's got a fucking just it's it's a it's a fucking uh, epic. I mean, it's got everybody in it. That you, I mean, it's it's a great fucking movie. It's not. It's I wouldn't say it's a great fucking movie. It's hard to say that because it's got so many people in it. It's a it's a like I said, an epic. It's a very big movie. One of those old movies like uh, The Longest Day or something that just has a shitload of actors in it that you've seen and know. But it's one worth checking out for sure. Uh, she was awesome in uh, Army of Shadows. That's another one I'm going to watch this week. Uh, i got to find some other stuff with her in it. But uh, I was reading about her and Yves Montand and their relationship and everything. I think she is an awesome actress. For the longest time, I would see her in these movies, but I never, I you know, I don't know. I was going to say this the other day about, and it's nothing putting down Gentleman's Guide or even putting down Sylvan Gold or anything, um, but it seems like when we discuss movies or we discuss certain actors like, you know, Charles Bronson or uh, uh, Lee Marvin or Robert Mitchum and all these iconic, uh, you know, anybody you can think of, um, it's like we don't talk as much about um, um, female actors or actresses, whatever you want to term you want to use, that we don't get into as much unless we're talking about how hot they are. You know, like, uh, you know, Sophia Loren or uh, uh, Pam Greer or something like that. And, and it's probably because, I mean, I know it's because we're guys and everything. But and, and, and maybe when we're talking about male actors, we're, we're talking about it when we're talking about how cool they are and stuff, it's probably like uh, maybe if when we're talking about like Pam Greer or uh, Claudia Cardinale or something like that and how hot she was, Shirley MacLaine or something like that. Um, for me, you know, when she was young and I always thought about how cute she was. But she's a great actress, Faye Dunaway. Um, um, but anyway, what it just and I tried to get some discussion and we did have a discussion uh, on Gentleman's Guide where I, where I said, you know, um, of some of the some of our favorite uh, female actresses, not not as much by how they look, but by how they, you know, their acting career and that we that are like our go to actresses or female actors. And that's one thing I was trying to get started as a conversation about that. And it still came down to and I'm not saying anything bad about anybody, whether it's our group, uh, Gentleman's Guide group, anybody in the groups, whether it's male or female. It just seems like almost all the people that we talked about, and this might have more to do with Hollywood and, and more to do with films, whether it's in Europe or wherever, that you don't have as many female actors or actresses that we talk about that aren't hot. You know, okay, you may talk about like Ernest Borgnine or, and, um, uh, you know, I don't know, Lee Marvin or whoever. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Uh, 
and it's like I said, same thing. I guess maybe you, you have uh, actors, but but I was reading um, uh, the biography of the mu- music group Heart, and it brought to mind, you know, I think Ann Wilson has one of the best voices ever in rock and roll or ever in, in music, but um, she was always compared to her sister, and when they were younger, you know, she said she always had a problem with her weight, but when Hart first started and they were younger and she was dating one of the guys that managed the band, she would always keep her weight in check. She would always, you know, um, kind of starve herself or, you know, do some blow or whatever. And she, and I thought she was beautiful, but then when she started getting older and she started gaining weight, you know, people would be like, you know, Oh, she's getting fat. It looks like she ate her fucking sister or something like that. <coughs> and same thing with mama Cass, Elliot from uh, mamas and papas. <coughs> Let me get a drink. When it's an actress or even a singer, you know, uh, we have such a, but you have seen, you have seen the changing in um, the physical and what's socially accepted where one time a a coworker of mine was saying that, you know, like Marilyn Monroe today would be considered, well, not today because now you have like the, 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 it kind of came around where you have the, Kim Kardashian or the uh, Jennifer Lopez or whatever, where somebody's more curvy, it kind of went back to that, and a lot of it's you know it's not even real, uh, where they have the big fake asses or they they have the fat sucked off one part of their body and and injected into their ass or whatever, and and you know the fake boobs and everything. But uh, the one thing they were saying was like if you compared like Marilyn Monroe, Sophia Loren, Claudia Cardinale, whoever, to a uh, Victoria's Secret model who's almost six feet tall but weighs 110 pounds or 98 pounds or whatever. Um, but you went through that before where you would have Meryl Monroe and then the next thing you know it went to Twiggy or it went to um, uh, Tuesday Weld or whatever. Or with the male actors you went from Rock Hudson and uh, Robert Mitchum or Clark Gable to uh, uh, Pacino and De Niro or James Caan or somebody like that that's you know those guys were statuesque they were really tall and uh, a classic hollywood handsome where pacino and these guys were not you know they were they were short and they were they they, they i think it was in um uh the book raging bulls easy riders raging bulls or whatever that book's called they were talking about how the the ugly you know you had the the the, the uh, when ugly became cool um and Warren Beatty was kind of caught in between there because he started in like the late fifties, maybe or, or a mid uh, late fifties, and then into the mid sixties. And it's almost like uh, in music, where you had um, Elvis, and then in that early sixties, you had like the Beach Boys. But then the Beatles came along, and they were still kind of pop. But then they, them and Led Zeppelin and everything, it, it, they advanced. They became more, uh, you know, their music evolved. Uh, whereas, uh, well, I guess Beach Boys kind of evolved too. When you talk about like uh, Brian Wilson, and and him becoming a producer and trying new things and everything. But anyway, it's just like I said. It just seems like maybe it's a sexist thing, or maybe it's a male thing, macho thing, or whatever. Where uh, you know, when you think of your go-to actresses, of course they're all you know somebody hot that you'd like to fuck, or they were back in the day. And but you think about some of these actresses that. Um, that are in movies that aren't classic beauties, that aren't classically beautiful, that, um, and I'm trying to think of some female actresses. Now, like Shelley Winters, when she was young, she was 
a classic beauty and like a, a, a sex symbol. But then, of course, when she got older, she got heavier. Whatever. And I think that goes along with just age. But trying to think of some class or not classic, I keep saying classic, but trying to think of some actresses or female actors that are um, considered heavy or overweight that are used and that are really good and that are used a lot in Hollywood. Uh, and again, that's the same thing when you, um, I mean, my God, look at Jane Fonda these days. She's almost like 80, if she isn't 80 years old, and she has the face of like a fucking 50-year-old because she's had so much plastic surgery. Uh, but then like I saw like Jean Moreau, who just naturally aged, and, and you're looking at a, a woman that looks like she was, you know, when she was 70, she looked like she was 70. Or when she was 80, she looks like she was 80 or whatever. So I don't know what point I'm trying to make. <laughs> Let's go up on a tangent. Um, La Confession or La Vaux is a very good movie. I put that up. Watch that one and watch uh, Cirque La Rouge. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other movies. Um, uh, the Confession, State of Siege, uh, Battle of Algiers, uh, Z or Z, uh, Missing. Uh, there's lots of fucking good movies out there and lots of movies that are uh, of a political stand that are really awesome uh, and done really well. If you have any other suggestions like that, uh, even like uh, All the President's Men, but I'm thinking of more like um, ones about um, political conflict all over the world other than the, or other than the United States. Uh, another great movie that I watched, uh, 1977 Sorcerer. Uh, directed by William Friedkin, um, starring Roy Scheider, Bruno Kramer, uh, Francisco Rabal. Who else is in this motherfucker? Amandou, who plays Martinez. He's another one that just has one name, Amandou. Um, Joe Spinell was also in this. And when I was watching it again, I was thinking, okay, what is Spinell in this? But then, you know, I he was one of the truck drivers. And he does have a little part in there where he's featured He's where they're uh, picking people to drive the nitroglycerin trucks. Uh, this is a very good movie, um, uh, interesting movie to watch. I had been watching uh, uh, a shitload of William Friedkin interviews uh, on YouTube. There's so much stuff on there uh, from watching uh, Cruising Again. Um, I started watching some of his interviews and and then they got me to watch Sorcerer again. Great movie. I think it's funny that he um, picked Roy Scheider uh, mostly because the people that he wanted to get, uh, which was like Steve McQueen, I think Clint Eastwood, but the first choice was Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, of course, uh, had Ali McGraw's pussy on his mind, which I don't know why. I never have found her to be that attractive or that talented or anything. And I think I've talked about that on the show. I could see Steve McQueen playing this part and I think he would have been fucking phenomenal. And when they were going to get Steve McQueen, um, uh, I think Lino Ventura, uh, and there was another person, um, that he wanted to get. And he said, if he would have gotten Steve McQueen, the other two guys were on board, Lino Ventura and, um, Oh, um, I don't know if it was Mastriani or who it was. La, 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 la. Amandou. <laughs> you got Amandou. Uh, Lino Ventura. Uh, Marcelo Mastriani, yeah. Uh, and that would have been a fucking hell of a fucking movie. Steve McQueen, 
uh, Marcelo Mastriani and Lino Ventura. It would have been a fucking awesome fucking uh, movie. So anyway, I watched this again. It's still fucking awesome. Uh, the music in it, I think it's Tangerine Dream, is really good. Uh, he even says in the interviews, you know, Roy Scheider is not the main guy. He shouldn't be the main guy in any movie. He said, I love him. He said he liked him as an actor. He thought he was a great actor and everything, but he said he was always the second guy. Now, I don't know how Scheider felt about that, especially like with Jaws and, and some of the movies that he made. But when you think about it, Scheider never was the main guy you know uh, he was great in marathon man um sorcerer he was main guy jaws he was main guy but in french connection he was second fiddle uh he was good in all that jazz uh and i like 2010 (laughs) family guy he plays roy scheider let's see what else is roy and i like roy scheider i always thought he had uh, the physicality of like a uh like a middleweight boxer with the like he has the face of a boxer and then when you see him in marathon man when he's doing his push-ups and stuff in the uh in the room uh he definitely has that that you know he's really in good shape and everything um a clute of course he played uh chain fonda's pimp in that uh what else was he in seven ups i thought he was good in that but again that even though he was the the main guy and was the star in that um Seven Ups is like the spiritual cousin of French Connection, but not as good as French Connection. Still a good movie. Uh, and then, of course, all the Jaws bullshit. Uh, not, I shouldn't say that, but uh, Men's Club, 52 Pickup. Again, those are good movies, but not great movies. Cohen and Tate, I never took to that at all. Fourth War, kind of a, that's a um, John Frankenheimer, but it's a kind of a, I don't know. It's worth watching, but it's kind of a really um, 1980s kind of. Oh, it's 1990, but it's definitely an 80s feel. Um, I like Jurgen Prague now, but it just wasn't a great. It wasn't a good movie. Uh, but anyway, let's get off of him. Ba-ba-ba, Roy, I liked him in this movie. I want to watch Seven Ups again now. I uh, got into because of my sister and the people on the group. Uh, we're talking about uh, J. Taylor-Roy. My name's J.T. Leroy, Jeremiah Terminator Leroy. Anyway, the my sister was talking about this at the beach and about J.T. Leroy, and um, I had to have her kind of give me a refresher course, uh, you know, just to to remind me of this person. And as soon as she did, I remembered that Law and Order, because I was a big Law and Order TV show fan, uh, that several of these TV shows like that that were torn from the headlines. Um, <coughs> hang on. I remembered them doing uh, a few episodes uh, based on this story, and the story, and I and I do remember, like in the papers and in like Entertainment Magazine and some of these places when it was exposed about J. T. Leroy, Jeremiah terminator leroy and when the book was out uh, the two books were out and they were like new york times bestseller list and everything it's a fascinating story um i chose to watch the documentaries there's two documentaries on itunes uh and i chose uh, 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 to watch them um the one guy uh, uh that did the the one documentary about this is the one that did the uh, documentary the devil and daniel johnson um but anyway, um, I chose. There's a um, a full 
length feature film coming out about this, and I, it may be out now or it's coming out with I think Laura Dern and um, who's the stoner chick? <laughs> Played Joan Jett. Uh, I can't remember what her name is now off the top of my head. Uh, JT. <laughs> I just like if if you have if you're not familiar with this, I don't want to give anything away about it. Um, there was a Richard Gere movie um, called Hoax that was about a guy who claimed that he sat down and had several interviews with Howard Hughes when nobody would do it, and it was based on a true story, and uh, that was the greatest hoax of of that time period in literature. And so this maybe give you some idea of what I'm talking about. Boot. Uh, the one movie I want to watch now is The Heart is a De- is Deceitful Above All Things with Asia Argento. Um, I'm curious to see that now. Uh, I know that in the new movie with Laura Dern and what's her face? What the fuck's her name? Uh, Kristen. What the fuck's her name? Oh my god. Kristen Stewart. Okay, I got Kristen. Um, so anyway, if you want to watch a good Joan Jett movie, don't watch Runaways. Watch, uh, there was a documentary called... It was on... Um, Edge Play, a film about the Runaways. Uh, It's really, really fucking good. Uh, The Joan Jett movie, Runaways, um, of course, she's the one that wrote it and said everything, so it's basically all from her side of the plate. Doesn't really have that much about Lita Ford or anybody else that was in the band other than her and Cherie Curry. So watch Edge Play uh, if you want to watch something really good. Hang on a second. Eh, fucking phone just rang, but they didn't leave a message. I'm sure it's just a goddamn telemarketer or something. Um, so where were we? What the fuck do I have this Bob Dylan song for? Twas in another lifetime, full of toil and blood. When blackness was a virtue, the road was full of mud. I came in from the wilderness, a creature void of form. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Anyway, I want to watch The Heart is a Dece- is Deceitful Above All Things, uh, even though I have watched this movie. And, of course, I'm going to watch the J.T. Leroy movie, too. Uh, but I thought these documentaries were really good, so I would suggest uh, people check those out. Um, I watched 1994's Time Cop. It was on iTunes, and I think it was you could buy it for like 4 bucks, so four ninety nine or something like that. Uh, this was a Peter Hyams movie. Starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Mia Sarah, who is just so, oh, she's so pretty. And Ron Silver. Um, who was the other guy in this? Uh, Bruce McGill, who played D-Day in Animal House. Oh, there was one bad guy in this that was really a jerk. <laughs> Besides Ron Silver. And he was a jerk in this, playing himself like a couple times. Um this was very entertaining, and from what I have read, this was uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's most successful movie as far as box office, and I can see why. I thought it was really good. It's still very entertaining. Um, John Hyam, Peter Hyam's son, John, 
is actually the one that did um, um, Universal Soldier Regeneration and Universal Soldier um, Day of Reckoning. And I really like him. I wish he would do some more movies, especially ones with Jean-Claude Van Damme and um, Scott Atkins. But this is very good, very entertaining. I enjoyed it. I did not know, even though I am a fan of Dark Horse Comics, and it's probably my go-to comic book company uh, for the past, I don't know how many years now, um, I did not know that Time Cop in all these years was based on a comic book So by Dark Horse Comics. So I kind of want to read some of that. Um, I like this better than fucking Avengers Endgame. Did I just blow your fucking mind? <laughs> Uh, the other documentary uh, by Jeff uh, Furzig is um, author, the J.T. Leroy story. My name's J.T. The story behind literary persona, J.T. Leroy, Joshua Terminator Leroy, the fictional writer created by American author Laura Albert. Now, you know what's funny? Uh, yeah, I'm not fucking stupid, but I'll, I always say things tie together on Silver and Gold. Um... This Laura Albert, when, when I just was thinking about this and thinking about the whole thing that went on and everything that happened in the J.T. Leroy story, it almost connects with um, people living in that virtual reality of the gaming uh, documentaries that I, that I was watching. Um, someone living another life, living uh, where you see somebody catfishing people online, on dating websites or whatever. Uh, or they they um, on Facebook they create another persona. Uh, you know your name might be John Smith, and you might say on Facebook you're John Smith. But since nobody knows you and nobody's seen you, you know you can be anybody you want to be. You could be Doctor Zom, <laughs> but it's it is almost like a thing, almost like a living another life, living um, and, and and even with this story, I think about like. Um, Caitlyn Jenner or um, someone that is living that they they are not who they appear to be. They are uh, say they were born a man but inside they're a woman or a transgender person or whatever or even uh, people that live a double life that are uh, psychopaths or sociopaths Ted Bundy or somebody like that. He's living almost like a, almost like an Ted Bundy might be like living like an avatar as a guy who's a uh, law student that everybody likes. That's handsome. That has so much charisma and everything. But then the real Ted is that fucking guy that that claims that he's like a vampire that goes out in the middle of the night and stalking people and preying on them like like he is a predator and they are his prey and he's you know. So it's kind of that whole thing about uh, is this body like right now, is this person that I am right now that I go to work every day and everything like that, uh, is it just an avatar? And, and if I have a choice to go into another world, whether it's a computer world or an online world or, or whatever, or, or say I move to another state, uh, I live here, but then I move to uh, another state that's, 
you know, 500 miles away and I start, I, I can become anybody I want to be. I could change my name. I could tell them this or that. I, I know people that I said at, at work, I, I said, I think I'm the only guy in the entire building that wasn't uh, the fucking high school superstar on, you know, fucking baseball, basketball, football, wrestling or whatever. Uh, and all these guys, it's like, now there ain't no way that everybody in here is a fucking state champ and everybody's the fucking was uh, through a no hitter and everybody was great at this and that. Because when I played, there were guys that sat on the bench and there were guys that weren't as good or there were guys that were this and that or, or they all had, uh, the fucking, all these girlfriends and everything. And I, and I even worked with one guy and he was talking about playing baseball and stuff in high school and everything. And then I worked with another guy that went to high school with him. He goes, he never played baseball. You know, what the fuck's he talking about? So it, it, like I said, you know, creating your own persona, being coming somebody else, or you are that person, but you're stuck inside this fucking meat sack that fucking won't let you be who you want to be. So uh, the author, the Jay T. Leroy story from 2016, Jeff Furzig. What else did he do? I know he did The Devil and Daniel Johnson. Uh, he did Chuck with uh, Lieb Shriver. He was the writer of that. Come on, let me give you shutter from the storm. What did he direct? Daddy-O. ESPN Films, The Real Rocky. Okay, of course, that's uh, Chuck Wepner which he did the, the full-length uh, feature movie with uh, Lieb Shriver as Chuck. But I watched an interview with him when he was talking about uh, J.T. Leroy, and he was a pretty interesting dude. Kind of cool dude. Hopefully he won't end up being like some kind of pervert or something <laughs> after I said that. Oh, it's 1968's Mr. Freedom. Uh, we reviewed this on the show, uh, and the one thing I wanted to talk about here was another thing uh, mr freedom is not readily available it's kind of hard to find and so um because i liked it so much and if you listen to the episode that we did where we reviewed mr freedom um i found out about mr freedom when one time when i was uh online i th i haven't thought about this website in a long time it was my it was like a go-to website i loved reading this guy matt kale Matt Kale, C-A-L-E, and he was one of the main writers on this website called Ruthless Reviews. And I really loved his reviews. He's a big uh, Werner Herzog fan, and he got me into uh, Werner Herzog. I never talked to the guy or anything. I just read their blog. Um, and uh, one of the movies that he reviewed was Mr. F uh, Mr. Freedom. So um, I really, and I, I saw some of the pictures and everything, and I thought, oh, my God, this looks fucking awesome. So Loaf and I found it and reviewed it. Uh, but it's hard to find. So I actually wanted to get it on DVD, and um, it was directed by William, written and directed by William Klein. And I think he was from the United States, but he was kind of, uh, uh, I don't know if he was, he wasn't from the generation, I don't think, that was blacklisted. But he did, like, a lot of subversive stuff that would be considered maybe anti-American by some people. So I think that's why he, he was kind of like an expatriate where he went to Europe and made movies there. Um, I bought a box set of his stuff, the Eclipse series, The Delirious Fictions of William Klein. Now, I haven't watched anything but Mr. Freedom so far, but the other one is uh, Who Are You, Polly Magoo, and Mr. Freedom, and then The Model Couple. And um, I don't know if I have... Uh but Mr. Freedom, I'm going to watch the other two, and then I'll 
I'll talk about them on the show. Uh, Mr. Freedom is a fucking gas. It is fucking awesome. I, I, I just, I swear, I, I think it's fucking great. It's low budget as hell, but uh, the way it's done and the message that it's sending is very important. Uh, it's almost like um, a face in the crowd with Andy Griffith. Uh, when you talk about movies that you should watch during these times, the Trump era, uh, you should watch Mr. Freedom and you should watch, um, a face in the crowd. And, um, also, um, all the King's men with, uh, was it Broderick Crawford? Um, a couple other movies that I had sitting here with, uh, Mr. Freedom and, uh, Mr. Klein. Got a lot of misters. Uh, one is, um, a movie called, uh, In Pursuit of Honor. Uh, starring Don Johnson and Craig Sheffer. Now, one reason I got this is I've, I've never seen it. And uh, I watched uh, Don Johnson in um, Cold in July, and I thought he was just fucking fantastic in that. The guy, if he could get good, good work, good material like Cold in July, he could be as big of a movie star as he was in Miami Vice on TV. Now, I also did like him in The Hot Spot, which was a Dennis Hopper movie with Virginia Madsen and Jennifer Conley. But, and we reviewed that on the show, too. This is called In Pursuit of Honor, and I, I made me wonder what happened to Craig Sheffer, and so I kind of wanted to look him up. But I think what this is, um, uh, this uh, U.S. Cavalry uh, back in the day, it looks like it's kind of like a, at the same time that uh, maybe um, The Wild Bunch was uh made because they kind of have the same uniforms probably like uh maybe during the poncho via raids or pre-world war one but uh they are assigned to take these horses uh to slaughter these cavalrymen and then they have like kind of a um a crisis of conscience i think i would say from what i can see like i said i still haven't watched it i want to give it a look here shortly and, and so i can review it too um, but I'm an animal lover, and like I said, uh, I, I always liked uh, Craig Sheffer, too. He just kind of fell off the planet. Uh, but John Johnson, that was what got me interested in that. So I got on uh, Amazon and found it for, it was really cheap, like just a couple bucks. Um, and then there is this movie, which I did not bring up because I haven't watched it yet. I just bought it, um, called uh, Agro. Let me, let me find it here real quick. And this also stars uh, Jean-Marie uh, Valente, uh, Angela Molina, Saverio Marconi, and uh, it's Og- Og- Ogro, Ogro from 1979, and it's uh, directed by Gilo Pontecorvo, and written by Giorgio Arliorio and Ugo Piro. Um, let's see what it says here. I think I found this one. It was almost like a recommend um, when you when I was looking up uh, Costa Gavras movies. Uh, this is, um, as 1973 winds down, uh, Franco is still governing Spain with an iron hand. Opposition parties are forbidden. Labor movements are repressed. And Basque nationalists are mercilessly hunted down. Uh, the Codilo is aging. Though the continuity of the regime is in question, one man has the trust of Franco, enough authority and expertise to assume leadership. 
uh, and an impeccable track record for dealing with enemies of the state. Uh, so it's kind of a... I, I actually read about the, the whole story. Don't want to tell you about it because it'll fucking give shit away. But it's kind of a uh, state of siege, uh, the confession or uh, Z kind of a movie um, about um, Spain and Franco and um, his fascist kind, uh, fascist uh, regime and people that are fighting him. I think it looks very interesting. I had never heard of it before. It's Operación Ogro is also uh, the, another name for it. So I'm going to check that one out. So I have, uh, let's see, we have the two William Klein movies, uh, the Don Johnson and Craig Sheffer movie, uh, Ogro, and also what's that other? Mr. Klein with uh, Alain Delon. So those are some ones that are going to be coming up here shortly. I watched uh, Straight Time again from 1978 with Dustin Hoffman. Uh, probably my favorite Dustin Hoffman movie now. It uh, overtook uh, Marathon Man, I would think, because it's a really good movie. Starring Teresa Russell, young, very pretty Teresa Russell. Gary Busey in an early role. And uh, Kathy Bates in a very, very early role, maybe her first. <coughs> Jake Busey in his first on-screen appearance when he was a little kid. This is a and Harry Dean Stanton. Now, let me tell you something, people. I watched that one Harry Dean Stanton movie, and uh, Lucky, and I know I love Harry Dean Stanton. I did not like Paris, Texas, and I love Vim Vendors. Uh, that's the only movie that I've seen of his that I did not like, uh, and I like Harry Dean Stanton and just about everything I've seen him in. I did not like Lucky. <laughs> I thought it sucked. Um I understand that it was Harry Dean Stanton's swan song and that he was very, very old. And uh, I appreciate that, and I'm glad I saw it, but it just did not do anything for me. I didn't think it was very good at all. Uh, but Straight Time with uh, Dustin Hoffman is an excellent movie. After being released on parole, a career burglar uh, assaults the former probation officer and returns to a life of crime, goes on the run. And this was uh, written by Edward Bunker, who was Mr... Blue, I think, in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, it's directed by Ulu Grosbard, and Dustin Hoffman was uncredited. So that probably means, like Burt Lancaster, Dustin Hoffman was such an ass that he took over the movie because uh, the director was probably like, Jesus Christ, just fucking do whatever you want. You're driving me nuts. But let's see what else this, this guy did. Ulu Grosbard. Former diamond cutter in his native Belgium, Ulu Grossbard, was educated in the University of Chicago, then attended Yale Drama School. Uh, I don't care about any of that. He's from Antwerp. Uh, he did... Subject was Roses. Who is Harry Kellerman, and why is he saying those terrible things about me? I have heard of that. That's also Dustin Hoffman. Barbara Harris and Jack Ward. I need to see that. I don't know if it's any good. It's only got about a five on uh, IMDb. That's young Dustin Hoffman. That is called Who is Harry Kellerman and Why is He Saying Those Terrible Things About Me? So he and Dustin Hoffman must have had at least some kind of a good working relationship because then they did Straight Times. He did True Confessions. I think that's De Niro, yeah, and Robert Duvall. That's kind of a Black Dahlia sort of wrapped around the Black Dahlia kind of a thing. Uh, a worldly ambitious Monsignor clashes with his older brother, a cynical Los Angeles homicide detective. 
who is investigating the brutal murder of a young prostitute. Uh, that's one that I wanted to love because that's when De Niro was, you know, De Niro, young De Niro that was just fucking coming off Godfather and shit and Deer Hunter and was great. And of course, Duvall is Tom Hagen and fucking uh, um, Kilgore and all that shit. Apocalypse Now and everything. Uh, but it's doesn't, uh, it's one that I have watched over and over thinking I want to watch it again to see if I like it any better and it never gets better but it's it's okay it's worth a watch uh but you just with that cast you know with Duval and um Robert De Niro Charles Durning and then you have the the story that it's based around and everything um it just never it's it's just it's just okay and I don't even know if it's if it's just okay. Now is Cyril Cusack? I wonder if he's related to uh, John and Joan. He's pretty old. Maybe that's her grandfather. It have to be because he's very old. Twas in another nighttime. Uh, let's get off Cyril. Uh, Cyril. Okay, so now I want to go back and watch True Confessions again. Oh my god. I just rewatch these fucking movies over and over until they stick. This time it's gonna be good. I swear to God. Cold in July from twenty fourteen. Uh this was uh directed by Jim Mickle. Uh writers are Nick uh Demincy and Jim Mickle. And it stars Michael C. Hall, Sam Shepard, and Don Johnson, and someone that I did not know who he was, and that is Wyatt uh Russell who is Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. Uh, I've seen him. He was the main bad guy in the uh, sequel to Goon, which I did not like that much. But he was um, Sam Shepard's son in this. This is a good movie. And every time I watch it, I know what the story is and I know what's going to happen. But it starts out in such a way that you still think it's going to be something else. And then when it ends up being what it is, it's like, man, that's some good shit. Um, I'm thinking, is this the guy that did, um, uh, Hap and Leonard? Bubba Hotep. Joe R. Lansdale. Oh, people, I'm fading. <laughs> Starting to fade. Yep, Hap and Leonard. I know, uh, um, Dave Mack is a big fan of this guy. Uh, he also did uh, Bubba Hotep, which I was a big fan of that. Jonah, Jonah Hex motion comics. I like those motion comics. I wish that goddamn Jonah Hex movie would have been better. I'm glad that he did not write Jonah Hex, uh, the movie with uh, Thanos, because that movie sucked assholes, even though it had Fastbender in it, too. Megan Fox uh, as, as was about as unsexy as she could possibly be. I would rather watch Transformers. At least she was used, you know, she was hot, and she was used as being hot. In Jonah Hex, she sucked. Maybe it's because she sucks. <laughs> but Cold in July is a fucking becoming a an all-time favorite. That's a good fucking movie. Badass movie with a good story. Uh, we were talking about The Hill and The Offense, uh, two of Sean Connery's best movies uh, that he only got to do because they wanted him to do more James Bond. And he said, fuck, listen, 
I'll do some more of this James Bond shit, but you got to let me do movies that I want to do. At least one a year or something like that when I'm not doing Bond. So anyway, you have a Sidney Lumet uh, movie, who Sidney Lumet is a fucking awesome uh, director. And um, written by John Hopkins, and it stars Sean Connery, Trevor Howard, and Vivian Merchant. Uh, the interaction, okay, well, you have the interaction between Sean Connery and Trevor Howard, Sean Connery and Vivian Merchant, who plays his wife, and Sean Connery and Ian Bannon. Um, again, I've talked, I've said about this on the show before. Uh, one, it used to be when uh, you you didn't have home box office and you didn't have. Uh, Cinemax or uh, the internet or anything and everything was shown on network TV and it was censored when they showed a movie that had disturbing or uh, subject matter uh, they would put up a thing during you know commercials throughout the week that said you know the following movie uh, due to mature subject matter the following movie will be whatever blah 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 and it was almost chilling because you didn't know what the fuck you were going to get and this was one of those movies when they find when they finally showed it on TV, uh, they even ran ads in TV Guide and in the newspaper that said, you know, this movie has subject matter that is will be considered disturbing. Uh, viewer discretion is vibe. No children under such and such an age should watch this order. And you didn't know what the fuck it was. And um, I remember they did that for like I think Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy too, because I think the storyline revolved around uh, rape, a, a serial rapist. But anyway, uh, the offense, um, the subject matter is uh, about um, child molestation. And uh, Sean Connery's character is a uh, really hardcore police detective, almost kind of like a Nick Nolte in Q&A, a, a, a big hairbag kind of a badass guy that looks like he could uh, you know, snap you like a twig uh, with a big bushy mustache. <laughs> But um, he's seen it all. He's done it all. And we were just talking about Lethal Weapon and the real true effects of um, post-traumatic stress, uh, whether you're a soldier or a, a policeman or something like that, where you you see these things every day of the week. Uh, or not every day of the week, but sometimes, you know, who knows. But just horrific things that no matter if you're the hardest guy on the planet Earth, uh, the toughest, hardest guy on the planet, uh, these guys would, to do their job, would have to push that stuff down you see on these tv shows movies and things where police have to go to these crime scenes and they'll see the most horrific things the most uh, gore and violence and uh things like that and they have to push it down inside of them because they have to continue on to do their job but that stuff's still there and you can't unsee it and that's kind of what this movie is about uh connery probably has never been better i like the hill the Hill is also a very good movie, but it's not as the subject matter. The Hill is more entertaining. It's still a hard movie and a hard subject matter. Uh, but this, uh, the offense, without really showing anything, is fucking about as hard as it gets. <laughs> when they don't show, you know, they leave it to your imagination, and they and they leave what's going on in Connery's mind and his character to kind of tell you what's happening. Um, so, you anyway, know, both of those movies are excellent. Uh, the Hill, let's see, that was directed by Sidney Lumet too. So again, Connery and Lumet must have had a good relationship there because he picked him for two, and, uh, two <coughs> non-Bond movies, Bond, James Bond. I watched uh, Ruthless from 2019. Let me check the time here. Seems like been going for a while. Uh, 
almost two hours. Didio, didio. <laughs> also wanted to make sure I was recording because if it wasn't, I'd probably retire the show and not even fucking do it anymore if I went this long and uh, nothing was recording. Uh, Ruthless, or The Ruthless, uh, is uh, Lo Spietato uh, from 2019. This is on Netflix Instant. Um, it is uh, written and directed by Renato De Maria. Uh, also, another one of the writers is Valentina Strada. Uh, stars Ricardo Sacmaricio, Sara Sariaco, and Elasio Pratico. <laughs> anyway, this is kind of one of those. Um, it's it's sort of a, a mafia kind of a, a of a movie uh, that almost like um, Once Upon a Time in America where they start out when the guys are young and then they show the evolution of this little this crew of uh, criminals and how they move up the ranks starting at like a, almost like a petty kind of a deal or, you know, um, just kind of a street, street thug kind of uh, criminals but then move up the ladder and everything to where almost a sort of a cross between Once Upon a Time in America and maybe like Tony Montana from Scarface. Uh, very good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, not great, but again, it's worth a watch. A rebellious teen grows up to be one of Milan's most ambitious criminals during the golden era of Lenadadrateta uh, Mafia in the 1980s. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Instant. You can't lose by watching it. Uh, another Netflix instant. This is a Netflix original. It's called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile from 2019. Uh, this is the story of Ted Bundy, directed by Joe Berlinger, Elizabeth Kandel, and it stars Lily Collins, Zac Efron, and Angela Sarafana. Anyway, <laughs> stupid. Um, I thought this was really good. When I saw that uh, the trailer and saw that they had cast Zac Efron as Ted Bundy, I was like, holy shit, that is fucking inspired fucking casting. It has done really well. Um, I have heard, I don't know if I would call it complaints, but I think that one of the reasons that I liked it is a reason that some people didn't like it as much. Not that they didn't like it, they didn't like it as much is that like the offense they don't show the crimes um for the most part um they're leaving that up to your imagination and i think the reason they did that was because you were seeing the movie through the eyes of say how his girlfriend or the people that knew him saw him and you're experiencing these things okay they don't know. They're like, okay, wait a minute. What's this shit coming out? Because they don't see the fucking crimes either. They don't see him going out and raping and killing and doing all these things. They only know what they're told from the newspapers, from TV, and then in court. So I kind of like that they took that approach. They do show uh, at one point... Uh, as kind of almost like it's kind of a, a slap in the face or what, not a slap in the face, but a, 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 
almost like a kick in the nuts that, okay, this is this. And it's just a brief thing when the person comes to the realization uh, he is this. Um, so I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know if I would say I enjoyed it. I thought it was done well because how can you know it's it's you know enjoy it's that fucking piece of shit. Now they do have on Netflix also a sort of a documentary thing where um, uh, it's all about uh, the Ted Bundy tapes where bef- when he was found guilty and um, um, facing death. Um, he had a certain period of time before they were going to put him to death and he decided to start confessing all this shit. Now, whether or not, not, not confessing, but also uh, almost like that TV show Mind Hunters, which is on Netflix, uh, telling people about what he did and what kind of person he was so that they would give them insight into the mind of a serial killer and a sociopath, psychopath. And, um, it's interesting. It's also interesting because he's a narcissist and everything. So how much of it is true? How much of it is him just manipulating, trying to get more time? Almost like Henry Lee Lucas, how much of it is him confessing to things that the cops just want to get these cold cases off the books and whether he really even did that or that. And also an arrogance thing where, okay, I'm, I'm caught. I've got the death sentence and everything. So to even amp myself up even more than what I was, maybe I'll admit to doing a thousand or two thousand or three thousand, or I'm a fucking genocidal maniac or whatever. I'm the greatest fucking killer of all time, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and being up his own ass and being a narcissist, I'm sure looking at himself and telling all about the things that he did and, and, uh, how he was and how he outsmarted people and everything, you know, but it is interesting. And, and that's why so many of these serial killer movies, uh, so many books about serial killers uh, do so well is because it is an interesting, um, I guess, anomaly maybe in human evolution or maybe it's not. Maybe there's more to it that the, these guys only go so far. Again, when I'm talking about somebody living in a double life or whatever, uh, you know, uh, let's move on. Um, I have the French connection on here, and I think that's just mostly from watching those Friedkin interviews and everything and him talking about making the movie and, and, um, how Gene Hackman wasn't his first choice. And, um, you know, the guy that ended up playing uh, frog number one, uh, Fernando Ray was supposed to be another guy and they brought him the wrong guy, uh, shooting the car chase scene, uh, you know, which a lot of the stuff that they would do, they would do without approval of the, like the police department and things like that. Or, uh, you know, with uh, the, the city and getting permits and everything. Uh, and just the whole thing about uh, Popeye Doyle being um, kind of an anti-hero, you know, shoot a guy in the back that's running away and, and the ending of the movie, you know, did he kill Frog 1? Did he not kill Frog 1? What was the shot? If Friedkin says he gets asked that all the time, you know, you hear the gunshot at the end. What's it mean? What's it mean? What's it mean? He goes, whatever the fuck you want it to mean, it doesn't mean shit, you know? It's just the way I did it. Um Oh, now i got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, we talked about Munich on the group. Um, and one of the things that came up is that it's such, it really is a fucking very well done movie uh, directed by Steven Spielberg starring Eric Bana. I think this is the first thing I ever saw Daniel Craig in. Um, I really enjoy this movie. Um, were some, there was a couple of the other guys that uh, Jeffrey Rush is really good in it. Michael Lonsdale, of course. Uh 
Mathieu Amalric. Uh, there's some of the uh, French guys in it and uh, some different actors in it um, that I'm not 100% on some of them. I think they even had some of the guys that were either supposed to be involved with uh, Bader Meinhof uh, and things like that. Just that whole interesting time period I've talked about uh, where, you know, uh, um, and companion pieces for Munich would be like Bader Meinhof Complex, um, Operation Thunderbolt, Radon and Tebby. Um, I'm trying to think what some of the other ones were. Um, oh, Red Army, United Red Army, um, Carlos, uh, the Jackal movie uh, with uh, Edgar Ramirez, um, which was, I think it was just called Carlos. But that's a, uh, I've told people, I said, if you watch that one, don't watch the cut down like two hour version. Watch the like five hour version or whatever of that. It's excellent. Uh, it all deals with this whole time period back then um, where, you know, all uh, everybody, all this terrorism started up, uh, whether it's PLO, Bader Meinhof, uh, uh, Japanese uh, United Red Army um, and uh, uh, um, in Korea um, and just about everywhere. The weathermen over here in the United States during Vietnam and, and things like that. Um, so, you know, uh, terrorism wasn't first started uh, by Al Qaeda, you know, or whatever, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of that stuff going on. It's a com- totally absorbing, interesting time period. Uh, when you think about all the things going on now with, uh, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu and Israel and how he, they treat the Palestinians and this and that. And then when you think about Radon Entebbe, the one guy that got, I think it was only one guy got killed of the Israeli commandos that went over to rescue um, the Israelis that were hijacked in Uganda. Uh, one guy that was killed was Yanni Netanyahu, and that is Benjamin Netanyahu's brother. Uh, and he became a, you know, a fucking a hero to, you know, all Israelis, you know, uh, because of that. Uh, the one thing that we talked about um, when we were talking on the group about Munich um, was, and I, I think it's almost like, I don't, I don't know if I would say it's a divisive thing uh when you talk about a movie because i don't think anybody disliked or liked the movie because of this scene was was the very ending scene uh of munich now okay there was one part the scene that i'm talking about is after all this stuff happens and it does leave it's not a movie where you're sitting there thinking oh and another thing i was thinking about um sort of gideon is basically Munich before Munich was made. Uh, I think it was an HBO movie uh, starring Michael Bauer and uh, Michael York. Uh, same story about the Israelis who were tasked to go and find and kill the people responsible for uh, the Olympic uh, massacre in Munich. Um, it's a good good movie. But, you know, of course, Spielberg doesn't direct it and it didn't have the money that Munich does. So, you know, it's a good movie to watch and it's 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 an entertaining movie. During. But it was also the same way as this movie. So, you know, uh, um, the guys weren't held up as heroes because it shows that they are tasked to go and do this to kill these people and how it affects them and how it brings them down and how they become... Uh, you know, post-traumatic stress and how they uh, are dealing with 
killing people, uh, collateral damage, not only just collateral damage, say like you blow somebody up and a little kid gets killed too, but when you are killing people face to face, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, and you're looking them in the eye, you know, it's, it's easy when you're watching a movie, but you, you know, even the guys in war, I mean, you're seeing this thing and they're in, and they're killing people and they say it's war, but then they live with that the rest of their lives. It's not a natural thing to do. And, um, human frailty, again, no matter how tough you are, no matter if you're Mossad, no matter if you're, uh, an Israeli soldier or uh green beret or Vietnam vet or whatever, um, you're still a human being. You were still loved and raised by your, your family and your friends and everything. And nobody would want to do this stuff. Nobody would want to have to do this stuff. And the fact that life thrust this upon you and that you have went down this path. And then you may think at first, I'm hard as hell. These motherfuckers killed our people and I'm going to go get revenge and everything. But then real life starts ticking in and the things that you're doing and the things that you're asked to do and you start questioning your own government. Uh, why are we doing this? And, uh, but wait a minute, I thought we were just going to do this, but now you're having me do this too. And, uh, you're treating other human beings like this or that and do wait a minute. Do we have evidence that this person was involved in this? I thought we were only killing people that did this, but now you're saying, okay, we're going to get this guy too because he was responsible for this and what you're, you know, are you being used by your own government? So there's a lot of stuff like that. But the, the one scene, like I, I just got sidetracked when I started talking about Sword of Gideon, is Eric Bana fucking his wife at the end of the movie. And um, it reminded me almost of... A movie that has nothing to do with this, but maybe it does. Maybe it's a post-traumatic stress kind of a thing. Was at the in the middle of cruising the William Friedkin movie with Al Pacino. In the middle of it, and at the end of it, when he's screwing his girlfriend Karen Allen, and they have a loving relationship and everything. Then he starts going undercover to these uh, gay. Uh, leather S&M bars and he's there all the time and he's seeing this stuff all the time and how it affects him. Plus he's going to crime scenes and seeing people that have been stabbed to death and slaughtered and everything. But he's going to these gay leather bars and everything and then in the middle of the movie he comes and visits her after he's been undercover and how it's changed him because when they're having sex, he, well, first of all, they show that he's still got this like leather wristband on. And when he's fucking her, I mean, he's like got a hold of the bedpost and he's on top of her and he's real rough. And she's like, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, she doesn't say anything, but you can tell by her eyes. And, and, you know, she's like, Oh my God, you know, what the fuck has gotten into him, you know? And then at the end of cruising, uh, he comes back again to Karen Allen. And this is after everything's happened. And, um, with Stewie and <laughs> all this stuff. And uh, he is in the bathroom shaving and she's out in the thing and he's talking to her and she finds his leather hat and his leather jacket and his aviator sunglasses. And she's like trying those on. And he like looks into the mirror, almost like looking into himself and looking at us, the breaking the third wall or the, 
third wall, fourth wall, whatever the fuck. Some wall, fourth wall. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> at the end of Munich, and this is no spoiler because whatever, you know, you go through the whole thing in a ring, but Eric Bana has this loving wife and they have had a child uh, that was due and then he has to go do this stuff and she has the baby and everything. And then he has limited time where he comes back and sees her. But then at the end of the movie, after all this stuff's went down and he's questioning lots of things, they show him having sex with his wife. And in the same way, he's just pounding the fucking hell out of her. But it's he's not even looking at her. She's kind of like, oh, you know, Jesus Christ. And he's just roughly just fucking her almost violently but he's like looking away like he's like looking uh, I don't know if I say he's visualizing but uh, it's like he's punishing somebody he's punishing her he's punishing himself but again he's not she's not even really it's like she's not even there it's like if you, if, if uh, as a guy, you're having sex with like your girlfriend or something, but you're thinking about somebody else or something and, you know, whatever. I, I don't know, but it's, I guess maybe both of those things. That's two scenes where they take a sexual situation between two loving people that have never had this. And because of something that has happened outside the relationship, something violent or something uh, disturbing or something that has that that has just fucked them up in the head has made them question something or whatever their sexuality or whatever and they're having sex but again like their partner isn't even there and I th- I'm trying to think there was another one where the, the, I, I watched a movie and the guy was screwing the shit out of his girlfriend. And when they were done, I mean, she was like, Jesus Christ. And she's like, what the fuck? Uh, what the fuck got into you? And then I remember another one where the girl's like, I don't know who you were fucking, but it wasn't me. So there, the, uh, there's two separate movies there. I can't put my finger on which one it is. Well, we watch way too many movies. Anyway, um, but that scene, I just remember even when the movie was over and people liked the movie, they were like, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that supposed to be? And then, of course, I think they showed like the World Trade Centers at the end of Munich, too. Spielberg was kind of making a statement there. But that wasn't the scene. The, the thing about the World Trade Centers, because I know there were some people in the group that were talking about Operation Thunderbolt. We're talking about uh, Raid on Entebbe or, um, you know, some of these different movies and, and saying, you know, that uh, some of them almost took – not almost took, but some of them actually did take, uh, you know, just nothing but a pro-Palestinian, or not a pro-Palestinian, but a pro-Israeli um, stance in the movie. So it was almost like Israeli propaganda. Um, you know, yeah, you'll have it. I mean, especially like, you know, say like uh, Metro Gold- Goldwyn Mayer or, you know, whoever is doing these fucking movies and stuff, you know, it's like almost like a John Wayne kind of a movie raid on Entebbe or whatever, and Idi Amin and... And then, uh, you know, you watch movies like Bader Meinhof and things like that where they're showing it from their their perspective, from the people that are the freedom fighters or the terrorists, whatever you want to call them's perspective. I just put my mouth away from the mic. I just noticed that. But anyway, the th- I think one of the things that we were talking about on the group the most was like that fucking scene. <laughs> and like, okay, what the fuck was that? What was that all about? You know, so it was interesting, but it's one of those things. It's like, like I said, like with Friedkin having Popeye Doyle, you hear the gunshots when he goes in to get Frog One. 
Um, and then they fade to black and you don't know what the fuck happens until French Connection 2, which he doesn't give a shit about and didn't want to have anything to do with. So <clears throat> let's move off of Munich. Uh, I don't know why one of my friends, uh, <laughs> what the fuck was he posting? And I, I came up with a uh, thing from Guys and Dolls where Marlon Brando was singing and he's like, luck be a lady tonight, luck be a lady tonight. Marlon Brando, Gene Simmons, and Frank Sinatra. Who else is in it? I guarantee if it was had some Brat Pack people, or Rat Brat Pack, that would be like, uh, what the fuck, uh, Judd Nelson and <laughs> Emilio Estevez and the people. Marlon Brando, Gene Simmons, Frank Sinatra. Uh, who else is in this? Luck be a lady tonight. Ow! Love be a lady tonight. Ow! Wow! You know, David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth and Guys and Dolls. Um, one thing in that book uh, about Hart, um, they were on tour, I think, with Van Halen. And uh, Ann Wilson was saying, I, I believe that Eddie and Alex Van Halen wanted to screw both of them. And she said, and it almost happened, but there was only one. Fr-. She said they, they were so fucking drunk and high that they would be they were in their hotel room and they were all talking and everything and and just they would just get in an argument about something and just start punching each other in the face and then they would be rolling around on the ground and fighting and then they'd get they'd break it somebody would break it up or they'd break it up and then they would just like hug each other and be like yeah man ha and everything which just sounds like so great you know <laughs> I'm screw but I mean you know that's like fucking two roosters fighting to impress the girls or whatever but anyway they said that uh, Alex and Eddie Van Halen, they wanted to have sex with Ann and Nancy Wilson. And she said that uh, it almost happened except for one thing. They wanted, the Van Halen brothers wanted to have sex with them at the same time. Wait a minute. I thought I just heard something. Anyway, they wanted to have sex with Ann and Nancy Wilson at the same time on the same bed. And they were like, ah, no. <laughs> so they said it's probably probably better off that they didn't. And then they were uh, one thing uh, she's talking about Ted Nugent uh, coming up to them, and I guess he had all these um, like uh, animal skins, like his pants and his vest, and all this stuff was made out of because he's like a hunter and everything, and he's supposed to be this you know wild man, uh, big game hunter and everything. And she had a little chihuahua, and he was trying to put the moves on either Nancy or Ann. I can't remember which one, but she was holding this little chihuahua. The, the I guess when he came over, the uh, chihuahua smelled that fucking animal skin and was like, ah! <laughs> scared the fuck out of it. She goes, he's supposed to be a big game hunter, big macho guy, but this little chihuahua fucking scared him off, which I love because I hate Ted Nugent. Fuck him. Anyway, watch Clute from uh, 1971. As you can tell, I watched a lot of classics this time, really good movies. 1971 uh, by Alan J. Pakula. Uh, written by Andy Lewis. If I'm sound like I'm talking really f- even faster than ever, I have to go to the bathroom. Plus, um, get I need to wrap this up because I'm getting tired of <laughs> getting tired of this show. And we got a bunch of questions to answer. Okay, so maybe we'll cut this off at Clute. <laughs> Jane Fonda, Donald Sutherland, and it also has um, Air Roy Scheider. Who else is in this? Anybody of note? Uh, Charles Siofi. He was really good. I think that's the guy that was uh, hired Clute to find out who killed his friend. His friend dis- No, not who killed his friend. They don't know what ha- if his friend is not dead. They think his, you know, his somebody is uh, 
a pervert is fucking harassing a hooker and uh they need to find out who it is and they think it might be uh john clute's friend who was a real family man almost like uh if you took george c scott from hardcore and he's a um well they weren't mormons i'm trying to think what they were but something like that and um the daughter runs away and everything but then you find out say george c scott's you know was doing was like a pervert going out and screwing uh prostitutes and beating shit out of them and doing all kind of weird things to them but anyway clute's a really good movie uh on uh recommendation from rolf is uh 1990s hired to kill uh this was starring brian thompson and oliver reed george kennedy and it has a bunch of women in it um barbara niven uh who else jose ferrer is in this uh kim lonsdale kendall conrad penelope reed uh, some of these names you I was just talking about how we don't talk about women in movies, Jordana Capra, and then I was just going to blow them off and just say a bunch of models, but uh, actress models or whatever. But So I wanted to actually say their names and everything. I don't recognize any of them. Um, very tall, uh, like uh, 80s-looking uh, models. Uh, but that's part of the story. Um, Brian Thompson, who you will know, I know mostly from being the psycho axe guy in Cobra. Uh, gets his chance to be the lead in a movie. He's got a real physicality to him, a, a certain look. Uh, you can see where he would play a, a, a tough guy, bad guy in a lot of movies and everything because he has that real kind of scowl and mean-looking guy. But, I mean, he's really fucking shredded as far as being like is physically ripped and everything. Um, he is like a mercenary, and he gets hired to go. It's almost like Dogs of War or something where he gets hired to go and uh, overthrow a uh, dictator but uh to get close to the guy he has to then it, then it turns into this movie uh, or tv show uh, that was called um uh, shit it had john eric hexham and the the theme song for the show was uh i need a hero i'm holding on to a hero till the edge of the night he's gotta be strong and he's gotta have a big dong and he's gotta be fresh from the fight that was called was it called Undercover or what? Well, I have to look up John Eric Hexum. But John Eric Hexum in that TV show, he ended up, uh, it was almost like a um, Brandon Lee thing where he had a prop gun and he was goofing off and he put it to his temple joking around and fired a fucking blank. And the, the of course, it doesn't have a bullet, but it had the uh, like a wax or whatever paper wad that holds the powder in and it went into his brain and killed him. Um, Eric What was that show called? Cover Up. Okay. So anyway, uh, the whole plot of Cover Up is uh, John Eric Hexum, I think, was a um, kind of like CIA, Special Forces, Green Beret or whatever. And um, he pretended to be a like fashion model, male model. And the girl that was this his CIA handler was the fashion photographer. And they would go to these different countries with all these models and that's kind of like what this this movie was hired to kill with um brian thompson oliver reed's in it he's old and fat and has a great big giant bushy mustache and he gets to swap spit with brian thompson which was pretty cool this was uh like i said the, the, like some of the other movies we were talking about that were made in 1990 uh, it may have been made in 1990 but this is definitely an 80s actioner very entertaining i always wondered why brian thompson um somebody didn't use him more 
in like a lead role. I think today, if today he was as young as he is now, he would be good in a lot of these um, good straight to DVD action movies like um, Scott Adkins and Dolphin. People like that. The one thing, he has a little bit of a speech impediment. Not much, but when you notice when he's talking, um, sometimes when people have a speech impediment, they'll hold their, their tongue against their against, against their teeth when they talk. Uh, either Some of them go into a full-blown lisp. Uh, some of them, I think, do it so they won't lisp. I don't know, but it's not that noticeable, but if you watch his mouth, you can see it. So, um, But he was good in this. This was really entertaining and watching the the chicks there's one in it that's real badass and she's pretty funny uh like with there was a hand grenade scene where a guy's up in a bell tower just like fucking with an m60 or something just have them all pinned down and she gets she's like did i ever tell you about when i pitched a no hitter or whatever and she just holds her hand out brian thompson gives her a fucking hand grenade and you know she shows her skills it's pretty good I, i i wonder if he made any other movies where he wasn't like a rapist or a killer and uh, I don't know if anybody <coughs> has seen him, like at Horror Hound or any of these conventions. I'd be curious to see, you know, have, hear what kind of a dude he is. He's still working. Let's see, what's he got coming out? Uh, the Dead Man, that's a short. Okay, Hoax, um, 2019. Big Muddy from 2019. I Am, the, I am That Man. Are any of these got anybody in them that are worth a shit? This has the star. These might just be straight to DVD, but still, who gives a shit? He's got to be old as me. A little bit older. He was born in 59. Okay. But anyway, what's he doing? What? 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 (laughs) His interest in acting was first sparked during his senior year of high school with the role of a Russian ballet dancer. Hmm. I was going to say, he looks like he was an athlete. I mean, that fucker looks like he's pretty well put together got a chiseled face anyway that's a good movie worth watching if you you know you know like i said keep in mind of 80s actioner ninja terminator this was my first godfrey ho movie uh i, I know will and i once talked about uh, clint eastwood movies and i was like god damn i can't believe you haven't seen this clint eastwood movie he goes how many fucking godfrey ho movies have you seen i was like shut the fuck up will <laughs> anyway um this stars richard harrison uh, Jung Lee Huang and Jonathan Wattis. Uh, the main person I know in this is Richard Harrison, uh, who is older in this. I mean, this is 1985. Uh, most of the stuff I've seen him in were like, um, you know, 1970s uh, Euro uh, crime movies and uh, westerns, spaghetti westerns. Uh, this is pretty inter-fucking-taining in a ridiculously funny, bad, so bad. It's When you say so bad, it's good. Ninja Terminator. <laughs> I think um, um, who the fuck was recommending this shit to me? Uh, oh god damn it! I can't even remember now. It's on Gentleman's Guide. Sorry, because um, there was a whole bunch of us. I, I just said I had never seen any Godfrey Ho movies, and everybody's like, "You gotta watch this one. You gotta watch that one." And they're on uh, the ones that I I looked up are on YouTube. So if you want to watch them, this has some funny shit in it. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed they they thought it was supposed to be funny, but it's fucking funny. Uh, the special effects are awesome. Uh, this little robot thing is pretty fucking uh, fantastic. Um, some very awesome wigs. Um, some awesome awesome Caucasian ninjas, of course. Back in the day, you always had to have the uh, 
there were more Caucasians that became ninjas and got invited into the secret world of the Kumite. <laughs> Frank Dukes talked about him enough anyway ninja terminator is fucking awesome i might have to review that on the show and watch some more godfrey hell so if you haven't seen it check it out we're getting down to the nitty-gritty because i'm getting fucking tired of talking about this shit (laughs) i just have stuff on here that uh oh i watched dragon ball uh super dragon ball super uh broly from 2018 which is Drogon Bruo Bro you Bro Ru Okay Drogon Bro you Droyagon Bro you Cho Boo Yuri <laughs> Okay I did the best I could uh, this is from 2018 uh, directed by Tatsuya Nagamini, uh, written by Akira Turayama, and uh, it stars Masako Nozawa, Aya Hisakawa, and Ryo Horakawa. Okay, and this is a, an anime movie. Uh, it was on Netflix. Uh, so I had never watched any Dragon Ball Z um, stuff. The only thing that I know about it is people would always put on comic book groups. What if Goku fought Superman? What if Goku fought uh, Sentry? What if Goku fought uh, Captain Marvel? Or what if Goku fought Godzilla or whoever, you know, they do those things like that. Dr. Doom. What if Dr. Doom fought uh, Magneto? Whoever, you know. So anyway, um, that got me interested in in who Goku was and what his powers are and some of the people on the, the groups that we're friends with and everything uh, are, are into this and know more than I do. Plus then I would get on like things from another world and some of these comic book groups and uh, see some of the like uh, action figures and statues and things like that, that I thought were really cool. Um, and so I, I decided to watch this, my first dragon ball movie. And uh, it's pretty entertaining. It's, it's some funny shit in it. Uh, like uh, Broly, uh, and how, you know, when they talk about people being overpowered and it just seems like, you know, in Dragon Ball world, I mean, you, you just, you know, just get more and more powerful as you need it. You do these things. Get, there was a thing where the uh, two characters had to merge to fight Broly because he was so powerful. But to merge, they had to do this dance and they had to do it exactly uh, correctly uh, without missing a step or whatever, which is fucking funnier and shit. Uh, the fact that Broly has a giant fucking uh, furry ear wrapped around his waist uh, was pretty pretty entertaining, pretty funny. There's lots of funny shit in it. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not. And again, when you're watching something that is um, um, dubbed, it's like uh, Ninja Terminator. It was dubbed. So when you're watching it, you don't know if what they're saying is what they were really saying in the movie, or if it's just some stupid shit that they made up, but this is fucking pretty funny. I don't know if I'll, if I'll seek out any more dragon ball movies, unless they're free or comics or something like that. Maybe, um, again, it was funny. I mean, if it's cheap, I'll fucking watch it or read it, you know? So anyway, already talked about the hill. I watched Unicorn Store from 2017 with Brie Larson. Uh, it was directed by Brie Larson. Uh, has heard Samuel Jackson, Joan Cusack. Uh, some people on the Silver and Gold group uh, really hated this, thought it was horrible, uh, even though they uh, said that they like Brie Larson and think she's really cute and really good looking and everything. I thought it was pretty good. I um, When I started watching it, um, 
I like the perspective that they take with it uh, because at first, if you take it at face value, I'm like, okay, this is fucking kind of stupid. But then when I look at it as somebody that might not be uh, all there, <laughs> if you want to take it that way, it, it's definitely better when you look at it that way. And she's so good looking and so cute and everything that I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Brie Larson is so, I mean, she just is somebody that you would love to have the attention of. Uh, a cool, awesome, cute chick. Um, although Captain Marvel was not that good. It was okay, but it wasn't that good. I like her kind of cockiness and kind of, you know, that she doesn't just, that somebody said, oh, she's always smirking and always making like, you know, winking at the other people and saying, you know, stuff or whatever. But I kind of like that because that's her, her own character. She was a, she, if she was a fighter pilot, she's kind of like a, a cocky, uh, uh, we call it Top Gun kind of a guy, kind of, kind of a guy, kind of a girl. Uh, Avengers Endgame, I already talked about that. Yeah. Don't want to talk about Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. <laughs> I would like to talk about it. I'd like to watch it again. I have it somewhere. Uh, it's a very good movie. Let's go. We have some questions. And like I said, let's go through these. Um, I had to go find them because um, you guys ask them. I asked for them. And then I haven't even looked at them because <laughs> we haven't, I haven't recorded in a while. Um, you can take two. Re- okay, this is for Brian from uh, Silver and Gold Group. Uh, you can take two wrestlers, living or dead, to create your dream match. Who would be? Uh, who would they be? Hmm. Two wrestlers that would be my dream match. Uh, my favorite wrestler of all time. I have uh, Wahoo McDaniel and Terry Funk would be my two favorite wrestlers, one and two. Uh, if I had to choose, my God, when I was a little kid, Wahoo was the be-all, end-all. So I would choose Wahoo. But Terry Funk, it's hard It's hard to separate those two. They're like one and two all the time. Um I have seen those two wrestle, um, but there's a guy who was like a legendary wrestler from like the 50s, and he played a German heel, Hans Schmidt. And uh, from what I have heard, for, well, first of all, watching his matches, he's just as stiff as can be, like one of those guys that every forearm he lays in there, you know. Uh, he, I, I always equated him from watching his old black and white matches that he was like uh it would be like wrestling a burlap bag full of hammers, uh, jagged cinder block, and nails and two by fours. Um, and from what I've heard, how he how he wrestled, he was really stiff and really uh, uh, close uh, and realistic. I would love to have seen him and Wahoo just beat the fuck out of each other because Wahoo had some of his greatest matches with uh, Johnny Valentine, who was Greg Valentine's dad. Uh, and both of them were just stiff as shit and just loved uh, almost kind of like Ronnie Garvin too that loved to and, and Stan Hansen loved to just really lay it in there so I'd like to see those two just fucking have a, a rip-roaring fight I would love to have seen um, tag team match uh, the Funks against uh, say like Dirty Roads and <laughs> that no good Dirty Roads no um, let me think Say like uh, Terry and Dory Funk against um, Cyclone Negro and Pac Song. You know, two guys because you always I used to read because I love the Funk so much. I uh, used to uh, read about them all the time in the old wrestling magazines and uh, um, 
about the, their territory, the Amarillo territory, where they were always the you know the the big baby faces. Cyclone Negro was one that um, like he went in a like a four hour Texas death match with Dory Funk Senior. Um, Dory Funk Senior, I would love to have seen more of him. Uh, again, reading in the magazines, read about him. He was at, at one time when um, USWA, uh, when World Class Championship Wrestling, I think Jeff, Jerry Jarrett bought it when uh, Fritz got out of it and the Von Erich sons uh, were doing so much drugs that they f- fucking killed the territory. Jerry Jarrett came in and bought uh, World Class and then they had it merge with USWA. And Eric Embry was a guy who was kind of a little short guy. He wasn't, he wasn't very big. He's kind of a redneck. Uh, but he fought Skandor Akbar's army and Skandor Akbar's army was full of all these like Cactus Jack, uh, Kamala, um, trying to think who else, but all these like, uh, um, big monster heels. And then there, Eric Embry was all alone. And I always kind of thought, you know, that's how Dory Funk senior was in Amarillo, where, you know, Dory Jr. was the world champ and he would be out defending the title and Terry would be out doing whatever he was doing. Uh, and Dory Sr. would have to fight, like, King Curtis Iakea, uh, The Sheik, um, Cyclone Negro, uh, and all these big monster heels that were coming in. And he was like, they said he was like the Wyatt Earp of, um, of, um, of wrestling. So anyway, uh, let's see. What else? Who are your favorite female and male adult stars from the 90s? Oh, God, from the 90s. I'm trying to think. If I had to, I, it's hard to think of, of the time. I liked Ashlyn Gear. Was she 90s? Because she sweat a lot. <laughs> she was hot. Let's see. Ashlyn. Well, I got the cap locks on. Must hit it with my bona. Ashlyn Gear. Now watch all this porn shit will come up. Twas in another lifetime. Blah, 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 blah. Um, what was her? Yeah, she was 90s. Ashlyn Gear, I always thought was hot. I liked her enthusiasm. I said that on Gentleman's Guide one time when I was just back before I was Dr. Zom. And I might have been back Dr. Zom then too. When I was just doing feedback and uh, I said something about uh, I always liked her because she she, uh, sweat a lot, which meant that she was giving it her all. And I said she was the sweatiest uh, female in in porn. And Sammy was like, I'll second that. (laughs) Her and Stacey Valentine. Uh, Stacey Valentine was hot and she sweat a lot too. Um, let me think who else I like Gina Fine she kind of reminded me of a girl that I used to go out with <laughs> if that means anything um, Animal she was a hottie she got killed uh, in a car wreck I'm trying to think who else I mean there were so many um, Blondage that was Janine Linden Mulder and um um, was it not Lisa Ann? Um, shit. No, that's wrestling. Okay, Janine. There's Janine. Janine, Janine Linden Mulder, and um, what was it? It's not Lisa Ann. It's um, shit. It's another one of those girls that became like a, a big milf. <laughs> Let me look her up, God damn it! You got me on a roll here with this porn shit. Um, Julia Ann. Janine and Julia Ann were blondage. 
And um, we saw them in Pittsburgh. It was actually Moon Township. There was a a, a strip club called uh, uh, Fantasies. It's not there anymore. And my friend and I went up to see them, and um, they weren't open yet. We were going to a baseball game or something, and they weren't open yet, so we didn't get to go in. But when we were got there, and we thought, and we saw they weren't open, we were like driving around, and here goes Janine and Julia Ann were walking across the parking lot over to this uh, like shopping uh, plaza because in Pennsylvania at that time you couldn't buy liquor at like a 7-Eleven or anything like that. You, they had uh, it was, they, they had the same thing here in West Virginia at the time. Um, it was uh, They had like what they called ABC stores, and they were run by like the, the federal government, but that's the only places that you could buy like alcohol and beer and stuff. And so they were walking across, and I was like, holy shit, look at those two, look at those two fucking blondes, man. And I said that, you know, there were strippers and everything. Well, it was that they were blondage, and they were the featured dancers that night. Well, not only did they feature dance together, they were like a team, but they had uh, movies together where they went as Blondage, the team. And um, I'm trying to think who else. But anyway, don't want to get caught up in the weeds with this porno talk. <laughs> I, it's hard to remember because, I mean, you know, like I said, you see so many fucking people. I'm sure there was a million other ones. Um, but those are just two. So we have uh, Wahoo McDaniel, Han Schmidt, uh, Gina Fine, uh, Ashlyn Gear, Stacy Valentine. Um, <laughs> be, be, be. I can remember 80s girls more for some reason. But. Okay, if you were forced to cast a modern remake of Deliverance, who would you choose? Well, my God, you would have to have Vin Diesel, Mark Wahlberg, Donnie Wahlberg, and um, who's that fucking one jackass? I would have Will Ferrell. (laughs) Who's that fucking one guy that was in Moneyball? He'd have to play the Ned Beatty part. Uh, God damn it, you bring up, don't bring up a book, bring up a fucking movie, you motherfucker. Moneyball film. Okay. Tells that guy's fucking name. Jesus Christ. Jonah Hill. No. Okay. I would have had Philip Seymour Hoffman as the Ned Beatty part. I would have had. Hmm. Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Brad Pitt would play the Burt Reynolds part. Leonardo DiCaprio would be John Voight. Ronnie Cox would be played by. Who would play that Ronnie Cox? Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox. I was going to say Harry Dean Stanton, but he'd be too old. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ, this is hard. I give you everybody from Moneyball, except, well, Leonardo DiCaprio is not from Moneyball. Um, not Ryan Gosling, because he didn't fucking talk. You'd have to be able to speak. <laughs> Shit, man, you're fucking me up. You're killing the show. You're killing the show. Um, uh, Choi Min Seek. 
<laughs> no, Jennifer Aniston would be the other one. Okay, let's move on. I don't want to think about that too much longer. I'll, it'll come to me later. How about that? Um, no, no, no. How about that uh, Shia LaDouche? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf would play the Ronnie Cox uh, part. Okay, that's not that great of casting, but it's I, you know, off the top of my head. I should have looked over these, but I just on the on a whim did this. Uh, your She's the One, She Gets Me movie. True Romance, Drive Before Sunset. This is Sto- Stohan. <laughs> Stohan. Um, let's see. She's the One, She Gets Me movie. His is True Romance, Drive, and Before Sunset. Your three, She's she's the One, She Gets Me song. Space Hero Suits, I'll Be Your Mirror and Closer. Dude, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Okay. Your, okay, She's the One, She Gets Me movie. Oh, so, okay, the guy meets a girl and she's his, uh, whatchamacallit, his, um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, hmm. <laughs> She's the one she gets me. I like that one. <laughs> and it's probably just because I like Olivia Wilde. Where, um, but she didn't really, I don't think she got him. I think she was just crazy because her and her brother had incest. <laughs> She's the one she gets me. Oh, just off the top of my head, I would say Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand in Stars Born, uh, where John Norman Howard meets Esther Hoffman, and uh, they just kind of click. I always, you know, some people don't like that movie, and I don't think it's that good, but for some reason that movie always kind of um, hit it off with me. Um uh, he had three of them, so I'm just going to go with that one. Um, it definitely would not be Steve McQueen and Ali McGraw or Ali McGraw and Chris Christopherson or Ali McGraw and anybody else. I can't stand her. Um, I'm sure there's other ones, but um, I'll have to think about it, and then maybe I'll think of some other ones later and talk about it. And as far as a song, your three, she's the one, she gets me song. Hmm. Oh, fucking Jack and Diane, maybe. I don't know. Uh, most of the songs I like are ones about uh, fucking people that <laughs> where the girl leaves and you're you're fucking broken hearted. Um, any song, John Denver, that's fucking one of the greatest love songs ever. Uh, and um, what's the one Dan Fogelberg did? Um, longer. I mean, those are, of course, you know love songs so and i'm old man so i don't go for that kind of shit stohan <laughs> favorite porn parody favorite porn parody title most wanted porn parody okay the one porn parody i like there was a batman porn parody that was pretty hot i can't remember what it's called uh it was batman triple x a porn parody and that was pretty good. Had Alexis Texas and her big ass. <laughs> Lexi Bell. I just remember watching. Let's see. Uh, some of the other porn parodies that I've seen. I think that was the one that I liked. Um, and I saw that Avengers porn parody that had China in it. 
And she played a good She-Hulk. She got the shit banged out of her, that's for sure. Uh, let's see. Favorite porn parody title? <sighs> that's a tough one. I like the ones that are, like, not, uh, you know, it, it's, like, not all in the family. <laughs> the ones that are a total ripoff. Nalen Palin was good. Uh, that was the Sarah Palin uh, porn parody. That was a classic. Uh, Fap to the future. <laughs> Fap to the future. Uh, Bear Bacula. That's pretty good. Not South Park. See something like that. I think that's funny where it's just like uh, to get away with doing it. They'll just say not Captain Marvel. <laughs> Game of Moans. Uh, who's Nalen Palin? That was excellent. That was Lisa Ann. She was good as Sarah Palin. And uh, Nina Hartley was uh, Hillary Clinton. I kind of wish they would do one with like Donald Trump. Uh, where he fucks like uh, his daughter and shit. I mean, I know that's weird, but it's fucking porn parody, so who cares? And he's a pervert. Uh, Pee Wee's Triple X Adventure. God damn, there's a lot of good ones on here. Rogue Come. Uh, the Godmother. Yeah, let's see what else we got here. Edward's, Edward Penis Hands was always fucking... That was an old one, but a good one. Electra porn parody. God damn, they're making a million of them, especially like a lot of comic book ones. Man versus Pussy. <laughs> Escape from Ascatraz. Let's see what else we got here. She male, she malekin idol. <laughs> uh, Alex Bronze, The Avengers, a porn parody, and that even has Stan Lee. Hell, that might be him. Uh, Star Wars Triple X porn parody. Scooby Doo's got a lot of porn parodies, and then there was an I Love Lucy porn parody that had um, what was her name? That redheaded chick that's like sticks baseball bats up her ass. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, uh, Audrey Hollander. What was that one called? Man, that was good. Cause Lucy fucking. Uh, let's see. It's a, it's a hustler. Uh, yeah, this is this is it. everybody. Lo- everybody loves Lucy. That was awesome, starring Audrey Hollander and Otto Bauer. Uh, if you get a chance, check that one out. It's really good because Lucy like even gets kidnapped by a she gets abducted by space aliens and they fuck her. Audrey Hollander's a trooper, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, most wanted porn parody. I will want to see a Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema porn parody, um, or a Horror Hound porn parody. Um, Old in July porn parody. French Connection would be a good porn parody. Um, let's see. What else? Schindler's List porn parody. Uh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Anyway, uh, let's see. As I just rewatched the indie franchise, your thoughts on these films? Uh, number one was the best. Number three was second. Number two was third. And number four was shit. Um, I did not like number two that much. It wasn't bad. It just had a different kind of a feel to it than one. Like all the bugs and all the grossness and and violence and stuff. Um, so I liked one and two or one and three a lot. I liked Sean Connery as Indy's dad. And I liked that whole, whole thing. I thought it was funny and everything. Um, but still good. Uh, that third one. I've watched it a couple times and it's been on TV a bunch of times and I just think it's shit. I don't like Shia LaBeouf in that role. Uh, he used to be one of my, on my Mark, Mark Wahlberg, um, Vin Diesel list, but he's been in some stuff that I've liked, like Fury and, um, uh, Nymphomaniac 
in some movies that I thought were pretty good. Um, what's in the box? I well, let me tell you something about what's in the box. I don't want to give anything away, but um, that um, Gwyneth Paltrow. I want to look up something just real quick. Gwyneth Paltrow. I want to see how old this fucker is. See, she's like somebody that I think Bad James. That was like his go-to chick. He really likes Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, she's never been like that for me. Uh, although I did, I liked her in that um, um, Flesh and Bone with uh, oh, not Daniel Craig. What the fuck's that fucker's name? It had James Caan and um, the guy Meg Ryan and her husband at the time. Um, Quaid, Dennis Quaid. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was really young in that, and see, Gwyneth Paltrow's forty six. So her and Tony Stark having a kid. A newborn baby. I guess it could happen. Anyway, that's what I was going to say. Anyway, let's see what else we got here. Uh, we did the Indiana Jones. This is from Rolf. Rolf was the porn parody. Rolf was also the indie franchise. Rolf was, uh, why haven't you watched My Neighbor Totoro yet? Uh, I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, I got it from a friend <laughs> a long, long time ago, and I just haven't watched it yet. It's fallen through the cracks. A lot of stuff that's on my computer I forget about. Uh, what's in the box? Um, again, we were just talking about Gwyneth. Uh, cast the next James Bond. Oy, who would be the next James Bond? Let me think. Let me, look. Let me, let me get some ideas. It's not Tom Hardy. Everybody fucking wants to put Tom Hardy in every goddamn fucking movie. And um, I just don't. Um, I'm kind of tired of him. I don't, I don't. I don't. He has a certain charisma, but I've said it on the show before. He kind of. Uh, I think he's kind of a one-trick fucking pony. But maybe it's just the shit that he's in. You know, I don't know. Ooh, it's got to be somebody handsome who's fresh from the fight. I need a hero. I'm holding on for a hero till the edge of the night. He's got to be strong, and he's got to have a giant cock, and he's got to be fresh from the fight. Jesus Christ. Sean Connery's the only one. He's the only one. Um, hmm. My God. What about that, um... Hmm. Let me see here. Let me let me see something here. Let me see. What about that fucking uh, d- that jag off that was a uh, fucking Superman? <laughs> Henry Henry Cavill or whatever. Where's he from? Is he from? If he from America? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I liked him in um, in the uh, whatchamacallit. That um, man from Uncle with Army Hammer. <sighs> I think he did a good job as playing a suave, good-looking motherfucker. But isn't he, is he American? Cavill. I don't even know if how you say his fucking name. Yeah, I think he's American. I don't think you can pull it off if you're American. You can't pull it off if you're American, are you? Can you? Quite an experience to live in fear. 
He is from, is he from Jersey? No, 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 no. no. He was educated in St. Michael's Preparatory School in St. Xavier, Jersey, before Stowe School in Stowe, Buckinghamshire. So, Garrett, uh, that's not New Jersey. So, that motherfucker is, yeah, he's good looking enough and he's got the suaveness and shit. Uh, why not? Uh, rah, rah, rah. It's either got to be him or Ryan Gosling. And I'm just kidding there. Uh, Tom Cruise, no fucking way. Jason Momoa, he nothing. Kick his ass. Um, yeah, why not? I like I said. I, I think I I liked him in um in um that fucking uh, man from Uncle. He might. I don't know how old he. You know, but whatever. That's just off the top of my head. And not off the top of my head. I'd fucking look it up. Cast Jane Bond. Hmm. Huh, Rolf, you're killing me, you motherfucker. Um, what was that chick? got a nice ass but she kind of got a little lazy eye going there <laughs> what an asshole I can't believe I just said that now she hears this she'll never want to have sex with me again oh yeah Goddamn damn what the fuck Jane Seymour's too old Alice Eve's fucking hot oh I love her love her love her love Lena Hetty would be the next Jane Jane Bond She's bad motherfucker. I like her. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me have a little drinky winky. Jesus Christ, we're gonna go on three hours here. Where is Loaf? Next question. <laughs> I killed him. Uh, <laughs> you are God. Thank you. Next question. This makes you being able to go back in time and get uh, Henry Silva any give him any role you want. So where do you put him in? And no, the Terminator is too obvious. That would be a fucking good one. Um, Henry Silva in a role. Eisenstein, Niepenstein. I would like to see Henry Silva in... A movie with Ashlyn Gear, where him and Dolph Lundgren double penetrate her. Um, let me think. Henry Silva. Henry Silva. Hmm. Was he in a movie? How about Henry Silva as James Bond? That would be awesome. Or Henry Silva as Batman would be awesome if it was like a crazy Batman, the new crazy Batman, the bat, the, the, the bat that smiles or whatever. Uh, hmm. I still would like to see Silva in a porn movie. I think that would be fucking great. Him and Jack Klugman just like banging the shit out of fucking like, uh, I don't know, Barbara Dare and, uh, Ginger Lynn or something. Uh, see what would your porn alias be? Dr. Zom. Uh, hmm. That was pretty easy. It would be orange vanilla. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'd have two big orange balls and a really small white cock. Um, Henry Silva's porn alias. The lizard. He always fucking reminded me of like a fucking lizard person. Like, like not, I'm not like a, like a, a hybrid human or where, but like on V that show V like, I think that he probably is a lizard or a cyborg. Um, he would be good. Let's see if he was a cyborg. Henry Silva. Well, he already said Terminator. That'd be fucking awesome. You fucking ruined it for me. Is it safe? Yes, it's safe now. I fucking survived. Uh, best movie car, 55 Chevy in two-lane blacktop. I love that car. Uh, but then again, you know what? I like the 55 Chevy in uh, that Harrison Ford drove in American Graffiti better because the one in Tulane Blacktop was really, it ran great and everything, good drag car, but it looked like shit. I mean, it was just all primer and, you know, really crappy looking. I, I like one that looks like, you know, it's the one in uh, uh, American Graffiti was, was black, but it was factory, you know, beautiful, nice shine and everything, and the upholstery and everything, whereas two-lane blacktop drag car doesn't hardly have anything in it. It's so stripped down and everything. Um, just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. I was listening to some James, sweet baby James, while I was taking a shower the other day. Uh, let's see, move on here from Rolf to another Rolf. Uh, you are in luck. You can pick any movie prop you want. Which one would you pick and why? Well, of course, you're going to talk about like a car or something. But uh, hmm. I'd like to have one of those old fucking trucks from Sorcerer, you know, when they fix it up and put all those lights on it. But if it was just like clothing or something, um, like Popeye Doyle's hat or. Um, yeah, that'd be good. I like that movie. Uh, Stohan, your favorite Jali, your favorite Policia. Uh, your favorite gothics, including U.S., U.K., Spain, Italy. Jesus Christ. Gialli, I am not a Gialli fan, as we have discussed before on the show. Um, let me see. But, uh, let's see. There was a... I think I liked... I think we reviewed Bird of the Crystal Plumage. Wasn't that the one that had... Uh, what's his name? Um, the dude that was in, um, oh, what the fuck's his name? The goddamn guy that was in, um, the fucking movie with Martin Sheen where they were on the, um, subway. Tony Masante? Yeah, Tony Masante. I like that one. I don't like ones that are too, you know, too knifey in the stomach and all that shit. Uh, let's see what else we have here. But that's one we reviewed on the show. I haven't, like I said, I haven't watched that many of them. I don't know if you would consider it was like, uh, I'm looking at all these and shit, you know, like, a, like, uh, don't torture a duckling. I've been wanting to see that for a long time. And I have never watched it. Uh, I thought we had watched some, uh, Edward Finnage, uh, movies. I like that one. Well, no, I don't know if you would, that would be more of a Euro crime, that fucking uh, human uh, chandelier one. Oh, each monkey is the things he loves. Each monkey is the things he loves. Da 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 da. Losing my voice. <clears throat> 
Dohan's killing me. He's killing this. He's killing the show. <laughs> uh, Policia. Um, what's the one where the two jack jackasses? Uh, Uh, go around on their motorcycle and they wear like speedo underwear and uh and her friends <laughs> what the hell is that one called i can't remember the name of it they were like buddies it was like a buddy cop movie but they were they they uh they rode around on a motorcycle together and um uh, like one back to, like one of them riding on the riding bitch and uh and they always had like red speedos and stuff <laughs> There's a lot of fucking, but of course every goddamn poster that comes up is fucking in, uh, in, uh, I was going to say Spanish. <laughs> Almost Humans, a fucking great movie. Um, the Silva ones, that one, the kidnap one I liked. Um, what the fuck was that goddamn son of a bitch called? With the two buddies. I swear, I'm just sitting here with it. Is that the La Police Esconfita? And there's one with Franco Nero. Jesus Christ. Each monkey is the things he loves. Almost human. Hell, that's fucking William Holden. That ain't no goddamn violent professionals. I see a lot of them that I want to watch. <laughs> Milano Calabro. It's a great fucking movie. See, like I said, I'm trying to I'm trying to not fucking have dead air because I'm looking up the movie posters, but every goddamn one of them comes up as the Italian poster, so I can't fucking see the fucking names of the son of a bitches. And off the top of my head, I can't remember. I can't remember. Blah. All right, I'm I'm taking another tact. Uh, investigation of a citizen above suspicion was great. I don't know if you consider that uh, violent professionals. Live like a cop, die like a, a fucking uh, man. That's the one I was thinking of. I like that one. Um, uh, Milano Calibro 9 is fucking great. Um, which I already said. Confessions of a police captain was okay. I don't think that was that great. Um but I like that. I guess off the top of my head, I like the uh, fucking one with the two jack offs that were fucking uh, live like a cop, die like a man. I thought that was pretty entertaining because they like slap women and fucking walk around in their speedos and ride motorcycles together. <laughs> I've said that like fucking ten times now. Um, favorite gothics? Jesus Christ! I don't know. Freaking gothics? Shit, man. Frankenstein, Dracula, hmm, Black Sunday. I think I've seen that. Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. I've seen that. I've got that downstairs. Uh, let me look. 
Kronos. I mean, if that's considered gothic, I like that one. I just watched that one with Ron Perlman not that long ago. Had never seen it. Um, Jesus Christ, Ninth Configuration is considered a gothic? So of the ones they have listed here, Helm to the Baskerville, I like that. I like all the old Sherlock Holmes movies. But Boris Karloff, Black Sabbath, I've seen that. I like that Crimson Peak. That was a newer movie. That had uh, uh, Loki in it. But, I mean, if you consider, like, Frankenstein and Dracula, I like fucking Frankenstein. I liked it better than Dracula. Uh, Nosferatu, I don't think I've seen that. The Haunting. What about that one with the fucking... um, Follow the House of Usher. I saw that. There's a million of them on here that are good. Frankenstein, I guess. I mean, that's a fucking classic, but Jesus Christ, give me a break. What do you want for nothing? A rubber biscuit. Have you seen Pretty uh, Village, Pretty Flame, La Priqueta Soldier with Dennis Quaid? Do you love playing by heart and swingers? Swingers, I... What am I clicking on here? What happened? If Swingers, you're talking about the one with Vince Vaughn and um, John Favreau. Yeah, I like that. Soldier by, with Dennis Quaid. I don't know. Is that the one where he was a... Uh... Hmm, let me see. Okay, now if this is the one that it's... All, is it also known as... Um, Savior or Savior um, with Dennis Quaid. I watched that one and I thought it was really good where he's kind of like a mercenary in in, uh, Yugoslavia or Bosnia, Herzegovina and um, finds the baby. I I, I watched that one a long time ago and I had never seen it. I think it was straight to DVD over here uh, and I thought it was pretty good. I've only seen it the one time, but I thought it was pretty good, if that's the one you're talking about. Uh, the other ones? Um, playing by Heart. Who the fuck's calling me? I hate when the fucking phone rings. Playing by Heart? No, I have not seen that. I think that I was actually uh, looking up Connery movie posters the other day, and that came up, and I, it's an ensemble cast. I have not seen that. And I was thinking, I love Alan Burstyn. So, and Connery, of course. Let's see who else is in this. Angelina Jolie. That was this moment she was pretty young. Dennis Quaid, Gina Rollins. I love her. Um, so it's got about three or four people in it that I really like and some people that I don't like that much. Uh, no, I have not seen that. Leptirica. Never heard of this. Drama horror. Okay. Yugoslav horror movie. Written by Serbian writer Milovan Glisic. Serbian director. What's the fucking, uh, what's the deal here? I never heard of this. An old... 
Miller hears strange sounds coming from the woods while he sleeps. Millstone suddenly stops working and a strange human-like creature with hands, with uh, black hands and long teeth and nails bites his neck. I have not even heard of that, so I'm going to make a a note of this somehow. Of course, I'm not on my iPad. I'm on this goddamn computer. Let me just save it somehow. Each monkey is the things he... I'll just leave it up. Fuck it. <laughs> Next time I do a show. Uh, no, I've never heard of that. Pretty village, pretty flame. Village. Pretty village, pretty flame. Getting some Serbian stuff here from Stoyan. Said during the Bosnian War, the film tells the story of Milan, part of a small group of Serb soldiers trapped in a tunnel by a Bosniak force. Through flashbacks, uh, the lives of the trapped soldiers in pre-war Yugoslavia are shown, particularly Milan and his Bosniak friend Hall become enemies after having picked opposing sides in the conflict. I have not seen that. It kind of reminds me of the movie I had talked about before called Shot Through the Heart. Um, which um, has Linus, uh, Linus uh, Roche and Vincent Perez. And uh, they are two best friends who um, are on like um Olympic uh, shooting team. So then when all the you know, troubles or whatever started up over there. Uh, one is Muslim and the other one is uh, Christian and they are on opposite sides and become snipers for th- uh, their, you know, opposing sides. So it kind of sounds like that. I've never heard of Pretty Village, Pretty Flame. But thanks for the recommendation, Stohan. Uh, let's see. This is from Carl. How much longer do you think multiplexes will bother with 3D for? I say this as I'm looking at uh, my local uh, showing of the Avengers. In game 16 times, uh, but only once in 3D uh, has it had its day. I'll be honest with you. I have went to see maybe uh, one or two movies in 3D, and now when they come out, um, if they have a choice, I just go with the standard movie. Uh, again, one of the reasons is is that I wear glasses. So when I have my glasses on and then I have to put a pair of 3D glasses on top of it, it's just uncomfortable and it gets to be where like you have a goddamn fucking... Uh, 10 pounds of weight on your nose. It's not that big of a deal, but it, it does become annoying. And I've never found where it was really worth it. I know when, uh, avatar first came out, my sister and, um, her, uh, her husband and their daughter went to see it in 3d a couple times. I went to see it with them and we went to see it in just standard definition. So I can't even, I've never had anything where I thought it was like, Oh my God, you know, the ones that I have seen that it was that big of a difference. Um, Let's see what else Carl say there. He got cut off. Um, projectionist had everything set up wrong. So for the trailers and for the first five minutes, one side of the screen was doubled up. I'm not sure I've ever purposely ch- uh, choose to see a 3D film ever again. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I, I mean, as long as people are going to see them, uh, obviously they'll still still fucking put them out. But that's not it's not a big thing for me. Uh, until maybe like if they ever do a virtual reality uh, movie or something like that where you can you're sitting there with a with an actual headset on and you're have a th- uh, a 3d or a, you know kind of a uh, virtual reality experience inside a movie or whatever then yeah maybe I would spend money to go see that but <coughs> and then a lot of the times the 3ds are you know cost more so dwarfs adults only plain what's this 
Of course, I brought up that porn parody thing. So now on Amazon, it's bringing up Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, adults only. Hmm. Could be interesting. What else do we have here? <laughs> Beauty and the Senior. Four plain discs. See, now I've been seeing here lately. It used to be they didn't sell porn on uh, Amazon, but now I think they do. But, you know, like I said, why would you fucking buy it? It's so much for, it's all free on fucking YouTube. And like on X Hamster, they have the full length fucking movies of the old ones where they actually made fucking full movies. This is called uh, Father Figure, number five. Uh, parking Assistance. Uh, rescued for Anal Services. Jeez. Swing Night? What's this? Swing Night. Uh, Miss Andrist. What the fuck is this? What the fuck is this all about? It doesn't even have a synopsis. <laughs> is that a real movie or is that a porn movie? The Miss Andrist, a movie by Bruce LaBruce. LaBruce's Lesbian Separatist Cults. Cult charms with uh, sex and satire. Okay, so that's all chicks. I remember when I used to like watching all chick movies, like uh, the uh, uh, where the boys aren't. You know, uh, what's this chick's name? Um, she's a, a a milf kind of a person. Uh, what the fuck's her name? Persia Monir. She has big tits, but she's like an older lady, probably like my age. <laughs> I was watching some uh what's her name Christy Mack. I I um she's pretty hot. Uh, I don't think uh is it Stohan that doesn't like the the tattoos so he probably wouldn't like her. But I like when she had a mohawk and she had her tattoos and stuff and then that guy beat her face in, you know, and that that MMA guy, a fucking piece of shit. What a jerk. Uh what else we got here? The Manor House. See, some of these look like they're what lesbian predator. Wait a minute. Okay, The Manor House, suitable for eighteen years old or older. Who's in this? See, I don't know any of these people's names. Dirty Politics. Top Gun. Now, Top Gun would be a porn parody, but it would have to be a gay porn parody, uh, like a uh, um, fucking Johnny Utah and Bodie and that shit. That would have to be like a gay porn parody. Uh, 300 would be a gay porn parody. French Connection would be a gay porn parody. I don't know. What's his name? Um, what's that fucker's name? Uh, Popeye Doyle. He had like a foot fetish and a shoe fetish. And I'd like to be tied up. Beyond Beyond Shame starring Seika. See, this is back in my uh, formative years. <laughs> I like those movies. Babyface by Alex DeLorenzi. Vinegar Syndrome. Doriana Gray. Hmm. I like, uh, what's her name? What was that chick? Shayla Laveau. She was like one of my favorites. She was a little cutie back then, and now she's a MILF. Because again, she's like my age. This is Joe Diamato. Uh, Masalina. Wish it would say more about who's in these. <laughs> the Nurse. That's Ursula Andres. So we watched that. That's not a porn movie. Housemaid. Okay, Pretty Peaches. Of course, I've watched that. Fucking, I got that on Blu-ray. <laughs> they put that out on Blu-ray. Uh, the Pig Keeper's Daughter. This is a Region 2 movie. Pig Keeper's Daughter. This, the Psychotronic Nudie Redneck Sexploitation Shotgun Pig Farmer Classic. Now, see, that doesn't sound like a porn movie, is it? That sounds like a one, like a movie that like Gentleman's Guide would fucking review. And we would, too. I'm just saying it's not a porn fucking movie, I don't think. 
Salon Kitty. I wanted to watch that. That's got, I never heard of that. That's got Helmut Berger in it. That's not a porn movie either. But that's one of those ones that I've seen. It's like a Nazi exploitation movie, but I, I kind of want to see that. I've never, I'd never heard of it. Um, I do have a, um, a, uh, whatchamacallit, region free, uh, movie player, so I could probably get these and watch them. Vampiros Lesbos. With Soldad Miranda. See, some of these, I know you guys would know some of these fucking movies. Uh, of course, like Salo, uh, El 100 Years de Sodom, which is uh, 120 Days of Sodom. Uh, we're getting out of the porn realm. We, we need to stay in the porn realm. God, Salo would be a fucking awful porn movie. <laughs> Wouldn't even be any fun. Uh, what's this, Taboo 4? See, I liked all those Taboo movies. They kind of... They're like uh, Fast and the Furious. They weren't the best movies, but the first ones were. Uh, Wanda Whips Wall Street. Who's in that? Wanda Whips Wall Street. That's my fucking ringtone on my goddamn phone is Kill Bill whistling deal. Pika-rama. Cry for Cindy, Touch Me, An Act of Confession, and Fantastic Voyage. Or Fantastic Orgy and Champagne Orgy starring John Holmes. Alex Delarenzi. I remember he made some good movies. <laughs> I think. Didn't he? Let me look him up on IMDb. Why am I looking him up on Amazon? Alex Delarenzi. How do you spell that fucker's name? Now we're just off in the woods. D. Renzi. Okay, I spelled it wrong. D. Renzi. I, was, I like that uh, Alicia Class, too, back in the day. She ended up, she was the one that screwed Bruce Willis after him and uh, Demi broke up. But I always liked her. She was a, a trooper, a pooper trooper. Uh, let's see. He may, let's see what he meant. Anal starlets, anal revolution, anal innocence, anal rookies, anal madness, anal cuties of Chinatown, anal carnival, anal taboo, anal siege, anal sensations. See, now Henry Silva would be good in all those. <laughs> Gangbang nymphet. Well, let's get back up here to the older ones. Uh, History of Blue Movie, uh, Falm de Sade, Babyface, Pretty Peaches. See, he made Pretty Peaches, so he's good. Wild Things, that was a good one. What was in that? Of course, it won't come up, you son of a bitch. Uh, Pretty Peaches too. I don't even think I saw that. That's why. Why even bother? <laughs> and then he was Rex Borsky. Okay, when he was Rex Borsky, that was all the anal, anal movies. Every movie as Rex Borsky was anal from '91 to '95. But Alex Derenzi, he was. Um, let's see, that was all just regular movies. That that was like he. That was like when he was like. Uh, Burt Reynolds in Boogie Nights. Let's see what it says about Pretty Peaches here. They actually have a, a thing on here. Uh, while, f while the film features sexual violence, including lesbian rape and forced enema in a public restroom, <laughs> a sequence that uh, was exercised for most of the video releases, not the ones I fucking saw, uh, <laughs> the film's tongue-in-cheek attitude keeps it upbeat. Uh, let's see. The Astron Astronautics Telecine LTD VHS release of the film is uncut with the forced enema scene intact. In 
it was still done goofy even the enema thing the guy looked like fucking mr peepers and she was like what are you doing like a moron <laughs> the movie was likely influenced by terry southern <laughs> and mason uh, mason hoffberg's candy that had fucking marlon brando in it i remember seeing that movie it wasn't worth the shit the only reason i watched it is because uh that was when i was doing my marlon brando completionist uh fucking thing but it was not very good. Is that um? Oh shit! God damn it! Each monkey's things he loves. Yada da dee dee dee. dee. Now I said I was gonna get off here. Now I'm fucking looking up all kind of stupid shit just for fun. 1968 film. Wasn't Bridget Bridget Bardot who was who was the chick in this? Because I remember when I saw like the box art or something like that, I thought it was going to be like some like a like a softcore porn movie or whatever. But it was really just like tongue and cheek, kind of like zany. Marlon Brando, Richard Burton, James Coburn, Walter Matthau, Ringo Starr, John Huston, John Aston, Charles Aznavour, Elsa Martinelli, Enrico Maria Salerno, Terry Southern helped great uh, fucking uh, Easy Rider, Easy Raider, Easy Raider. Okay, Candy uh, was former Miss Teen Sweden Uwa Aline, so she is pretty hot. What was that chick's name that um there was a porn chick that I was gonna mention? Um I think it was Anne Magel. Anne Magel. She this was like an old fucking like I don't know if it was Swedish or what it was. I somehow stumbled across her and um Yes, it's just like a Swedish chick from like the early 70s, mid-70s. And um, she didn't do that many movies, but her some of the movies, the clips and movies that I've seen of her were pretty fucking hot. <laughs> Swedish Confessions, Hot Cookies, Sexy Wives. I think this is the same person. Let me look her up. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Majle, maybe it's Majle. Yeah, that's her. She's pretty hot. Anyway, whatever, who cares? Fucking moron. Nobody wants to listen to shit. Some of them Swedish movies, there's fucking back in the day, man. There were some of those ones, was it called Color Climax? Uh, they were a little bit fucking weird because you don't know what the fuck you're watching there. Because I read about that company, and I guess because European movies are have a different age limit or have a different feeling about, or, you know, what would be appropriate or something. And um, there were some of them, not all of them, but there were some of them that the, the, girls were like fucking only like 15 or 16 or something but in sweden it was legal it's like i watched that one documentary about that chick that made like fucking bestiality movies 
and I think I I'm trying to think if it was in Sweden too, uh, but it was somewhere in Europe where it was like legal and they fucking made them and sold them and everything. But that was like back in the, I think in the seventies too. But anyway, this fucking show's gone on for three hours and twenty two minutes, and the last fucking probably forty five minutes has just been shit. <laughs> So I'm going to sign off. We got a lot of porn talk and fucking answered some questions. If I would have actually read those questions beforehand and had them ready, the show would have been uh, under three hours long, but I fucking forgot all about them. So anyway, but I did go back and find them and I answered some of them. So, or all of them. So. Anyway, uh, this is the show. Have a good one. <laughs>